All right. Hello, everybody. It seems that everything has broken <laughs> with the pictures. Literally instantly. Nice. Professional podcast, by the way. All right. I'm going to fix these. But while we're fixing these, welcome, everybody, to episode 12, Beauty and the Beard. The beauty is Canadian. Obviously, who else would it be? The beard is achieved. Fox A is going to be here. Um, so, uh, as always, we like to start with talking about our guests. And since he is first alphabetically, we'll talk about achieved. The question that we ask everybody who comes on here is, how did you get your start in Rainbow Six? And how did you get your start playing competitively? Oh, oh boy. All right. Um, so... I actually, I've been, I was like an Xbox gamer my whole life, but uh, for some reason, like I had a PC and I bought Siege on my PC like first, even though like I never played an FPS or anything. And I got placed like bronze one on like year one, season one. And I was like, wow, I'm really bad at this. So then I went back to my Xbox and I played on that for like a year and I got like diamond and stuff like that. It was pretty easy for me to do that because like my aim was a lot better over there. Um but pretty much played on that and then some guy like asked me to play if I ever wanted to play like pro league and I was like, "Yeah, not really." And then he insisted that I scrim with him, so I was like, "Sure, whatever." And then I did that. Uh I actually hated it to be honest with you. I did not like com- the competitive like at all. Uh, but he asked me to, you know, just give it a few more shots, and I did. And, uh, I mean, pretty much from there, I just have always played. I would say I started playing competitively probably, like, season, year one, season three is when I actually, like, started playing, uh, like, every day and stuff. And then um, when they took Pro League off Xbox, I switched, and, yeah. Makes sense. Is that why you have the, uh, what is that, the bronze, the copper charm on your account? That I've seen you run, yes. especially on Buck. Okay, because yes. I was like, how does this man, how does this man have this? Damn. Oh. I placed bronze as well the first season, but I did not end bronze. That's I'm still in bronze. Wow. Yeah, well, <laughs> that, that's not surprising, though. Uh, what I was going to ask, though, Chief, why didn't you like it at first? I'm kind of curious. I'm, like, surprised by that. Um. Honestly, I don't know, because... Before I played Siege, I played COD, and I I even tried playing that a little bit, like, competitively, and I liked it. Um, but, like, I I mean, back then, like, the game was a lot simpler than it is nowadays, but I, it just, like, I, I guess it was somewhat, like, the people that I was playing with. Like, they were good, but I never, like, whenever I played Siege, I always played it with my buddies and, like, people that I knew and I was good friends with. So, I guess, like, even, like, all my life, I've just played with buddies, so... I guess the first time I branched out into playing with like new people that I've never like played with before, it was kind of just like, I think it was more in that feeling rather than like the competitive state of it. But um, even when we played competitive, like back then we didn't have like strats or anything. We literally just like ran around like ranked. So it was pretty much the same thing from when I played with just my buddies, just different people, I guess. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Just kind of like getting used to a new environment. Pretty much, yeah. It's always fun, and I, I talk about this often on the podcast. It's always fun for me because I wasn't involved until Red Crow. That's when I made my my Rainbow Six debut, I suppose, back in January 2017. And it's always very entertaining to go back and rewatch older matches 
and see how teams function and just how far we've come. I mean, I think you can still do that if you go back like a year or two even and, and how much more coordinated teams are. But watching this game played, the understanding that teams had and how teams function together, I can only imagine what it sounded like to be playing at that time in servers and in TeamSpeak. So it's like the damn Wild West back then. Yeah, teams have gotten a lot better. Yeah. So with that said, uh, Fox A, your introduction to this game and competitive. Um. Uh. Well, before playing Rainbow, I played like CS:GO or tried playing CS:GO competitively for like four or five years. Um. But I mean, at the time, like no, no one really wanted to give like a a kid with a squeaky voice a shot. Uh. I don't know. Rainbow just came out. Decided to pick it up and try it. And my first team that ever picked me up, I like smoked them in a ranked game with Ash, and they were just like, "Hey, do you want to try out for us?" And I was like there's like a competitive scene for this game. And then from there, I just joined the team, started playing. Uh, and I've just been yeah, playing Rainbow like ever since, just switched games. And I think it's gone pretty well so far. I'd say I think you've done okay. Yeah. Can't complain. How many lands have you been to now at this point? Oh, how many lands? I don't know. I don't... If we Maybe exclude, like, if we exclude like the dream hacks and stuff like that, it was what you qualified for Gamescom in Germany. Yeah. Your next LAN event, I mean, I mean, you casted SI twenty eighteen. Yeah. In between that, I think I went to DreamHack with Beast Coast yeah. at one point. Um, but I said not excluding hack. I was at. I actually don't think we went to a single major besides Japan, and. We you went to SI 2019. Yeah, so the but yeah. the I was gonna say the invitationals I went to. Okay. And then the only major that I went to was Japan, I think. Yeah. yeah. You you were at SI 20, 2019, 2020. Yeah. Uh Tokonami. So it's a pretty good run. Yeah. Um for both of you, what do you think the what do you think the biggest change is that you've seen? in the game itself in that entire time it can be related to anything it can be operators it can be balancing it can be the way that teams scrim etc because both of you have been playing for so long that you've been there from the start and you've always had that competitive perspective to go off of uh i would definitely say the whole like whenever they introduced goya to the meta after Goya, they introduced like what Wamai stuff like that, and they made the meta like what it is nowadays, like the twenty second meta or whatever. Although it's kind of weird because even though the meta is like really utility based right now, people are playing it more like Fragfest, and I think they used to back in the day, which is like I guess kind of weird coming from like me because everyone sees TSM as like a really like frag heavy team and we chase frags but uh i don't know like it, it's just weird because when they introduced goya you have goya and you have like smoke shield and you have like castle maestro and wamai and all that there's just so much stuff to clear and now with maluzi coming in it's gonna be like even harder but i i'd say that's like the biggest thing because it's like this is like ubisoft like clearly wants it to be like a utility based game right now i guess but like like people just run around and frag out and I don't know. It's just kind of weird. 
A hundred percent. I was literally about to say that, like, like when I first started playing, the strats were like Ash Sledge, just like run in, or like somebody hit the flank, like it was straightforward. And then I feel like there was like a part of like where it was super strategic and like everyone played super safe denial. And now, like, but she's hundred percent right. It's like going back into that. All right, well, like we'll take you know a certain part of the map and then just have somebody hit the back or just like try to burn the utility and then we're just pushing in to get a frag so i feel like it kind of like went backwards in a way but i don't necessarily know because like chief's right everything in the game right now is leaning towards a utility-based game you know um burn utility get rid of you know maestro cams valve cams everything you can but i feel like maybe a lot of people have just gotten to the point where it's like you know let's get rid of what we need to and then like let's just rely on our aim i feel like that's right now the biggest change from, I guess, like when I started playing to now is I think like the like skill, the gun skill, the movement, like people actually walked around on PC. People look like they were walking around with controllers. Now people are like have electrifying movement and like can, you know, dodge bullets, get everywhere. And, you know, just like teams like TSM, you know, there's certain teams that are just built around having that incredible talent. So I think that's probably one of the biggest changes for me. Dodging bullets? Yeah. Like, was this the Matrix? Yeah, I, hey, you'd be surprised. <laughs> I heard dodging bullets, I'm like, what are they doing? I feel this like the player. reason... No, I can quote that Geo, when he moves like that, though, he literally says he doesn't even know what he's fucking doing. Like, yes, he does. He, he doesn't know what he's pressing, bro. Every time I watch him, I'm like, he doesn't know. Like, he's just pressing shit. And it's, it's like so you used true. to play one of those fighter games as a kid, and you just press everybody. Yeah, just hope like, to God that you're yeah, <laughs> like like the arcade, yeah, like you Mortal Kombat, and you just fucking slam your fucking yeah. palm on all all four buttons at the same time. It actually until, until you find the one move that works the most, and then you just keep hitting that one after that. No, that actually reminded me. I, I have to tell this. I can't. I can't avoid it. So when I was on EG and Gotcha was our coach, uh, when we moved to Seattle, he like temporarily came and like stayed. We, he stayed at Amara's apartment. And we were, anyways, at the time we were playing Mortal Kombat together. And Gacho would literally, he would take the PS4 controller and he would rest it on his thigh. And then he would take his palm and just smack all four <laughs> buttons at the same time. Just on top of it. Just a button spit. Oh my. The worst. I would fucking lose it, bro. Losing to that is so rough because it's like you're not even getting out. No, getting I didn't. Out. I didn't even tell you the worst part about it. So he played this guy, and like when he when he would use his like I forget what it's even called, like his X-ray or whatever. His guy would always say like the dragon consumes you or something. And every time, every fucking time it happened, Gotcha would just go the dragon consumes you. Oh my! <laughs> He's a fucking character. Anyways, I had to I had to include that. Um, but what I was gonna say. Um, about the meta, I think because there's so much utility and it's only getting worse now with Malusi, because there's so much utility, I feel like more often than not, because the defenders are also figuring out that like they play behind all this utility and then they just like get aggressive for a second while you're throwing utility and catch a frag. And then as soon as you catch like one frag or one flash is missed, you can't clear. You can't clear the utility anymore. So like attackers are more used to being put in those situations where they can't clear everything and because of that they're just kind of forced to play for frags so everyone's getting more and more used to it and i think that's why it's kind of evolving that way i don't think i don't think everyone's buying into it but yeah yeah 
I would definitely say that. I also feel like uh, some people just get lazy too. You know, they see like two Meisters and two Shields and Jaegers and one Meisters, and they're just like, yeah, you know, it's all just like like on like a cafe, like top floor and cocktail, how they everyone stacks like the Pixel Shield with one Meisters and Jaegers. Some people just get like, like lazy and they're just like, yeah, let's just full five man run it through bar. And then, you know, I mean, that's fine though, but it's just kind of funny, I think. Yeah, but I would strange. agree with that. Yeah. Uh, Malusi is actually something that we're going to get to up next uh, after this topic, just because obviously Ace and Malusi are going to have a, a massive impact on the meta that we're in right now. Um, but before we get there, I do want to go back a little bit because I think both of you have some pretty interesting stories and, and achieved in particular. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't really know you all that well at the start. Fox A, I actually knew before I ever really casted this game in earnest. Um, but I think yours uh, achieved is, is really fascinating because you spent, what, years down in Challenger League just grinding and grinding and you were seeing teammates change and some of your teammates would have a lot of success and you were kind of always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And then finally... What was it after five consecutive seasons, six consecutive seasons down in Challenger League, something like that? You five. finally make it. Uh, yeah. So, whenever I first switched to PC, I I teamed with a few like ex pro league players from Xbox and stuff. Um, it didn't really go too far, but the first ever season of Challenger League, I actually qualified for pro league with uh king leo tripping in them um well actually i was one game away from qualifying for pro league we were guaranteed we had a they had to play omen for the last game that was the old Um, ferocity roster that would then become bittersweet and then most wanted and now space station yep Yep. i was actually on that team originally and um basically before like the last before they had to play omen which would decide if they were in pro league or not um, I had like a fight with like Leo and uh, I ended up getting cut uh, because of it. Um, and then after that is when I spent another like four seasons in Challenger League with pretty much like Bio, Nifty. They were both Xbox pros and then like Kelby and Remorse. And, um, you know, we kind of swapped players a lot throughout that. But I was pretty much on the same team ever since. I've been on the same team to this day ever since I got kicked off of Leo's team. Although there was instances where I was like trying out for other teams. Um, ever since then, I've been on the same team, especially in Challenger League. And I've had people on my team like um, England. We tried out, uh, we, we started playing with England for a little bit and uh, we were scrimming with him and then he ended up getting picked up by Rise. Um, another, like Bosco, we were scrimming with Bosco. Um, that was when Bosco was actually... After that, Bosco actually was, I think he got kicked from Elevate, and he was on your team in Tarot, Powerhouse. Yeah, he was on Powerhouse. Yeah, and then after we picked him up from Powerhouse, because I, I don't, like, Bosco's a great player, not to knock him, but back then, I don't think a lot of people had a lot of confidence in him. Yeah. Um, but we, we liked him. We thought he was a really good player, and he, pro- and he proved everyone wrong. Um, when we played with him, he dropped, I remember, he dropped, we're playing Chalet. And he dropped 17 kills against Era at the time. Um, Who he would then later then, join. Yes. And then two days after that scrim, <laughs> Bosco was trying out for Era and then he <laughs> ended up joining. So, I mean, 
Yeah, it was kind of a punch in the face because, you know, a lot of people that were on our team were getting picked up for like pro league teams. So like we were trying to make it, but it was a lot harder because when we started to actually get like a full roster together, people would get poached by their pro league teams, which is completely understandable. Um, But I mean, yeah, CL was tough. CL is really tough because... Like the game is a really like frag fest now, but in CL, like that's all people do. Like they just they'll run at you, they'll they'll do whatever. And um, I'd say the hardest thing though about like Challenger League is getting five people together who actually want to improve and have a good mindset and actually want to like make pro league. Because like a lot of, a lot of times nowadays, um, I'll see it like people like argue or like they don't want to get better. They just kind of argue and like like beat around the bush and not actually like look at their mistakes and what they can do to help their team and, and get better. Um, but, and the, I don't know, just finding people with like a good mindset and the willingness to like learn and want to play together and actually like make pro league is, it was by far like the hardest thing in the world, especially with people getting like poached and stuff. But yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, eventually like our last, our last season of CL when we were on, a, we, we, we got signed by like accelerate. And we were on Accelerate. Um, that season was no one really because I remember because the first half of that split in Challenger League, we were actually like seventh. We were at we we were doing really bad. Our first game ever as a team, we got six would at the time by Gotcha's team, DG, uh, on Coastline. So like that was a really rough start to the season for us. But we ended up turning around and we barely clinched like the playoff. Top four, uh, and then we ended up just winning playoffs completely. We beat DG, and then we beat uh, E Gang, but uh, we were by far not the favorites to win at all. Um, no one, you know, thought we would. But uh, and then I after that, we qualified for Pro League. I remember you beating E Gang, and just uh, how much of an upset that was. Um, it, it was like. I think I was, I'm pretty sure I casted it, by the way. Um, like, I'm fairly certain I casted when you guys did it because I, I, it was significant to me because I know how long you had, you had worked for that. And the only real question that I think needs to be asked here is what kept you motivated? You said Challenger League is hell. There have been so many players that have just openly said if they get kicked off of pro league teams, they're not going to challenge really because they know the grinder that it's in. I mean, Young even talked about this a little bit on his stream. And, you know, I, I think it's probably concerns that like NVK and Necrox have and Spades has and Mo has, etc. What motivated you to just stick through it? Every time seeing teammates leave for greener pasture, seeing other teams surpass you, what was the fire that kept you going? Uh, I mean, I've always been like a really competitive person. I mean, a lot of people say this, but I've always been really competitive. Like if I've ever, like when I was a kid growing up, like if anyone ever beat me at anything, I'd literally sit there like an hour or two afterwards, just working on it, make sure like this guy ain't going to beat me again. Um, but like, I don't know, I guess like, I, I just have like a drive in me that like doesn't want to lose. So I, I mean, that definitely helps me, but like, I, like me seeing like a lot of my teammates, we're going to that. I mean, it was kind of like a, like a Debbie downer, but it also like motivated me because like, I knew like if these guys, like these guys are getting picked up from pro league teams, like, like I, I, I can do it too. I just got to put the work in and prove myself. Cause a lot of the people who were getting picked up have already proven themselves before. Um, 
which is something that I haven't did. And I uh, think that was the reason why like, I wouldn't get tryouts, which is completely understandable because I haven't proven myself in the top level at that point. Um, so I just knew that like my day would come around as long as I stick with it and just grind it out. And I've always, I know like Troy, uh, I think you've, you've openly expressed that like you listen to like, um, you've started listening to like audio books and, or like, uh, yeah. I know you treat a lot about the motivational stuff too. Um, coach quotes, but, man. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I have watched like back then, dude, I used to watch like motivational videos and literally just sit there and play Tion for like two or three hours. So. I mean, yep. I don't. No, I love that stuff. I I will say I don't believe in deserved. I don't think people deserve to win championships. I don't think you should just give away things as participation trophies, etc. And I'm not usually the kind of guy that's ever cheered for teams, but I will tell you, I was very pleased when you finally made it to pro league. Thank you. I mean, it's a lot. I was too. <laughs> yeah. the amount of times that i would scream matthew solomon in various different ways when we would squat up or when i'd see you play and i'd be casting you or anything like that so we'll get back to your yeah. story because now we'll go to foxes because foxes is the polar opposite of yours so whereas whereas achieved spent many seasons in challenger league fox you basically debuted in pro league you had strong success immediately you had great stats that you loved to tout for a period of time with excellence. You loved to talk about them. <laughs> but you were like top three or something like that in stats. You have a bad performance on LAN at Gamescom. You end up getting dropped from the team. They make a couple shuffles. And then you basically go into the wilderness for a long period of time. Which is when I think you toyed with casting. You casted CCS. You came to Six Invitational 2018 as a uh, attempt caster slash analyst. You did the same at Atlantic City before rebounding with that reckless roster which would become beast coast and then cloud nine and now wreck and now oxygen the question for you is did you were you surprised with the fact that almost immediately you fit in as well as you did and established yourself and did you foresee the changes coming after excellence and if so or regardless of the answer how did you deal with basically being pushed off a team and finding it extremely challenging for you to get back into the good graces of those in pro league. Yeah. I mean, uh, I feel like my story, like a lot of people who have like bad reputations, I feel like is kind of like what they are trying to do when they try to switch up their reputation. Um, so like I said before, when I would like played competitively in a completely different game, I feel like I built up attributes on how to be like, you know, you know, a grinder, you know, play, play something till you know you're good at it um i had these qualities that a lot of newer players in rainbow didn't have so when i got picked up onto my first team which was like lunatic at the time uh did pretty good was successful um again being like super young and then having a lot more success and then I thought I was too good for my team, even though like we placed third one season and then the next season we had like a terrible start. I ended up leaving that team, found excellence, or I guess uh, before we were excellence, I think they were called like most wanted at the time. Um, and through that team, just still grinded up, like kept going. And it was almost like, I know a lot of player, young players right now have this similar mentality that I did. I never faced like adversity. I never got knocked down. Uh, I had so much confidence that every game I would just go in like, oh, I'm better than everybody. I have flaunted the attitude. I talked shit about everyone. I did not care 
who thought I was bad because I thought I was the best player alive. I thought I was God's gift to Rainbow. Um, and yeah, I mean, I know, I know, I know Troy hated me back then. I know a lot of pro players at the time hated me back then. Uh, and then from there, I, I went to the LAN, thought I was going to be going crazy. We played versus G2, and those guys absolutely slaughtered us. Uh, not to mention that I dropped like two kills for the whole series uh, out of two maps. So that's a kill per map. Uh, I'm sorry to interject, Rainbow. but were you not statistically the worst player at that LAN? Oh, I think I was. I think I, you I went was. from third in NA overall to worst statistical performer. Yeah, yeah. In the rough. span of a couple weeks. Oh, I, I was proud. Of, I was proud about the. I was like, yeah, third best in NA, like stats wise. But then, like, I went to LAN and sh- sh- that let's was just that say, was, uh, let's just say I was in the excellence warm-up booth the day before their match. And he said, it doesn't even matter what strats they have. We're just so much better than them. I'm just so much better than all these, <laughs> yeah. e- all these EU players. And then they played, they played Penta and pff, fastest fucking land match I've ever seen. And I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I was sitting there cheesing. We guys. Yeah, no, we definitely, I mean, yeah. So but I guess, you did learn from it. I will give you that. Absolutely. I feel like my since that point, I've just kind of been trying to like learn, adapt, and be better. Uh a lot of people prominently knew me as like a Ash Yeager man at the time after that game. Uh I got dropped from the team, obviously. They ended up trying to become like a different team, whatever they ended up doing. Um What did uh, Excellence become? I'm trying to remember. They became era. That's right. With, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I think it was Super and K9 or Yeah, Super K9, Maman, Bosco, no and Gurmy. Yeah. Yeah. But like before that it was Who did they who did they were originally replace you for? Uh, I think they were, they were going to replace me for uh for I think it was either Snake or K9 and then eventually like someone like a mm. whole like mess. Oh yeah, yeah, they did K9. Like, G- yeah. Geo went to Rogue or something. I, I don't remember specifically yeah, yeah didn't yeah, brian yeah. go to rogue or something like that or yeah brian yeah. brian left excellence to go to rogue everybody Gio went to right. elevate i think yeah yeah Gio and elevate yeah supers yeah. in the chat saying that they dropped you for janon could you imagine fox a getting dropped for janon smile damn it's a humble I mean, yeah i mean so from that point uh i tried like I eventually was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? No pro league team wanted to give me a shot because I absolutely torched my reputation with everybody. Um, any friends that I did have, like, I don't know, didn't want to necessarily make changes for someone who had a reputation of being like a toxic, like who would just flame people. So I had to like essentially climb through the, you know, the, the challenger league thing again. And I tried making a team to qualify for it. Um, that's when I ended up trying to do like casting as well. Uh, and then I kind of got like saved, I guess, because one of the like better challenger league teams I was playing, which was reckless at the time, uh, just said that they needed like a fifth. And I think I saw it on Twitter or something. And I kind of replied to it as like, I didn't think I would like get a response back, but I was like, Hey, like if you guys need one, like I'll play. And then I tried out for them. Uh, I think at the time they needed like an IGL and I guess, like, yeah, they decided that they liked me. And I feel like uh, me and Goddess on the team got along pretty well at the start of things. And I feel like, as of her, like, she got me on the team. And then through then, we kind of grinded it up. 
you know, made different changes, uh, built the roster that we then qualified into Pro League with by uh, relegating CLG. Uh, then ended up picking up Laxing, who's now been my longest teammate. Um, from there, we got picked up by Beast Coast, being in Pro League for like the first season. Uh, we went to Mac Montreal. I think we had like a top. I don't know if we, I don't really remember if we had a top eight or like top 16 finish. It wasn't like terrible, but that was like my first LAN like back since excellence. And was I Dreamhack think I did Austin, like, not Montreal, by the way. Yeah, I was about to say, I, Dreamhack Montreal, Austin. you won. Yeah, I was gonna, yeah, yeah you bad, won Montreal. Bad. I was like, you're like, huh? yeah, Dreamhack Montreal, we had like a top 16. I was like, is this, man, like, is this man flexing? Yeah. My bad. I meant, I meant uh, Dreamhack Austin. And then uh, I Which think we played out as well, by the way, for Sinister. That's true. Okay. I think we played, we played Sinister. We beat. Uh, I'm pretty sure we beat you guys. I played yeah, that too. Did, classic second place finish. You know, choked the finals. Yeah, hey, I mean, is that a character still, for you? Still getting top two. That's still pretty good. This is true. But uh, I mean, Fox has won a DreamHack. Canadian hasn't. So this is true. He's not wrong. He's won an Invitational, and I haven't yet. So two Invitationals. Two Invitationals. That's true. Um. So yeah, it was pretty good from there. Then uh, Beast Coast actually gave us kind of the opportunity of a lifetime, I guess. Uh, C9 kind of just like messaged us and was like, hey, you guys want to join our org? And uh, Beast Coast, like Grant, the owner of Beast Coast, actually so nice. Like we had to talk with him and he ended up uh, passing us to C9. And that's pretty nice for us. We got to kind of be under this tier one org that was just so, I guess... It was kind of like a dream for anybody, you know, who isn't already like a professional player to kind of be under. Uh, got to live in a team house with all our teammates. Um, got a lot of opportunities that, you know, I'm fortunate to have. Um, on that roster of C9, we were kind of like a sixth place team. I don't know how we didn't get relegated that one season where we had like two forfeit wins or two forfeit losses. We should have gotten relegated. We didn't. Um, through there we decided to kind of make a change and i feel like that's when kind of my like the uphill redemption story of my like career started working where it was like now i'm like start starting to finally i guess let everyone know that i'm not like a toxic like idiot as i was a couple like a year ago um i tried eye gelling for a lot more of my teams i tried adapting for a lot more of my teams not only did i play ash and jaeger i started playing almost every operator that I could. Uh, a lot of people know me primarily as an entry and aggressive player, but like on C9, like I played like, you know, secondary hard breach. Um, I would always try to like drone for my teammates. Uh, at the time, I was just trying to do whatever I could to just be a good teammate um, at the end of the day. And then from there, we ended up picking up Skies, which made the uh, rec roster which was, I think, probably one of my like favorite rosters that I've been on. Uh, from there, Skies kind of took the IGLing role from me, and I was put more on an aggressive entry role. And I think that's when like, we had the most success, is when I was able to kind of go back to my roots of being that entry. Uh, and I had like you know good leadership, good team behind me to just kind of follow, back me up. And uh, yeah, from there, we've gotten to Rec to OXG. And now we're 
kind of in a similar stage trying to really build that after skies left i was trying to take the igl role again and now like we realized like obviously it worked better when uh we had like a primarily primarily main igl calling the shots and then i was just be able to focus on like the entrying so now we're trying to get back into thing and into the swing of things so yeah so the the big thing for me that uh, i think really could have been your undoing and i think both of you experienced this but to differing levels is that achieved could have very easily just given up but instead he knuckled down and developed greater self-discipline and just kept grinding to the point where it eventually paid off for you when you were faced with the adversity your adversity was caused solely by yourself by as you said your attitude and and in some parts your inflexibility your lack of flexibility on roles you also put your nose to your grind to the grindstone and you were able to to assess what you needed to change work on it and fix it and you know i i knew you before i'd ever casted anything for esl it was a ccs caster at the time if you remember we used to squat up all the time with the uh with the bittersweet guys and you are extremely different now than you were then um in almost every single way and you know whether it's through leadership or whether it's through ability in game you have grown an awful lot and i mean i think that's something that's probably a very common refrain with a lot of people in our community because so many of you started playing this game back in 2015 2016 2017 some of these some of these players were like 16 17 18 years old you're literally growing up and with that comes maturity. With that, you know, comes leadership. Or I knocked over a glass. Nice dumbass. Didn't break though, so. Um, and you have calling me a dumbass on the record, by the way. But yep. for both of you, like I said, I think it's I think it's to be expected. And, you know, now both of you are are seen as leaders in our in our community. You're seen as leaders in the, your teams. And uh, both of you could have very easily just given up. And there are lots of people who do that. But you didn't take your opportunities for granted, and I think you grew from it for both of you, and now you're here, and uh, I mean, you're on two of the top teams in North America, two of the top teams that I think a lot of people could suggest in the world. You're both large streamers now as well, since both of you have been grinding out that stream life. Um, so the, the last question before we, before we cut the personal growth comment here, unless, uh, unless Troy has something, is out of the last couple years, there's one thing that you've changed that you are probably most proud of it could be in game it could be about your own personality it could be anything what is it and we'll start with achieved ah uh, man that's tough because <laughs> i've changed a bunch to be honest with you is it the beard um are you most proud of the beard honestly probably but uh <laughs> i'd be proud of it. it's a nice beard by the way <laughs> uh thank you no but um to be honest, uh, I'd say the most, like, the thing that probably changed me the most is uh, back in my, like, first season of CL and definitely probably even my second season of CL, um, I was definitely really hard-headed. I was, like, I was how, how I was talking about how players are, like, nowadays in the sense of they don't want to grow as uh, players. Like, they're kind of hard-headed. They think it's they're always right, um, stuff like that. I was definitely like that especially like my first season or two. And I, I know that's why I got kicked from my first team. Um, so I, I'm definitely like proud because like, I feel like a lot of people haven't been able to see like both sides of it. Like, uh, but like I have, for example, cause like I used to be that little kid who was like, 
because back then I was like 19, I think, or am I? Yeah, 19. And um, I was just really hard headed. I thought it was my way. Like I was, I was right no matter what. Like you couldn't tell me anything. Um, but I being able to move on past that was, I think, definitely been able to help me get to like where I am nowadays. He had uh, he had to think it up on the spot, Fox. So you've had some time to. Oh, I, I had it. I, I had it already. Oh wow. Okay. I was gonna say. I think the biggest thing that I changed was. Well, I mean, besides my attitude, I was going to say, like, I feel like the level of communication or like my communication's gotten a lot better and like how much I talk, not only just in game, but like as a person, uh, I feel like when I was younger, I would just talk to talk, which like, I feel like a lot of like younger kids do. I still do that, you know. by the way. Yeah. Well, I'm I mean, 30 years old. Well, yeah, you don't shut the fuck up, Parker. Neither do you. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm quiet uh, plenty. I think there's there's being able to know when to be quiet, being able to know when to talk. I think that's like a life skill, not just like being a professional gamer. I think that's great in any aspect of life. Um, I mean, if you watch like, I guess like I want to say like you want to watch Pro Tens, you see like a lot of you know players starting up, a lot of players in Challenger League, a lot of people just kind of like talk to talk, talk and chat, talk to. You know, every little thing they got to be known. Like, oh, if I died, I, it has to be known that my teammate like baited me out. He wasn't on a drone. It has it has to be a reason for everything. Um, you talking about iconic? I'm not talking about any anybody specific. I'm just saying like, like if you die, there has like there has to be something said. And I feel like being able to know when to like keep it in and just like shut up and just play the game. Um, I think that's like one thing that I've gotten better at, especially like, you know. You know, when you scrum with a team or in pro league, you're not going to be able to be like complaining all the time or, or talk about just random stuff. You know, you just say what needs to be said and keep it going. And I think a lot of players that have that skill will eventually just kind of like adapt. I think that's something that just comes with age, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's part of growing up. I, I actually, I never really thought of it like that. Like I, the, the first part of you changing like your attitude and stuff, I definitely noticed that. And like, I had already immediately thought that about you, but like you mentioning that, like I would definitely agree with, cause I remember, I remember like the first iteration of tens, like you were actually that annoying kid to me. You really yeah. were. I'm not going to lie. Absolutely. But yeah, you've definitely changed that. And it, I, and it, yeah, it's, it's important. Like not only just like for yourself, but and like, the impression you can give others but also just like as a teammate right like you said like you can't you can't be complaining all the time as a teammate like it's not it's not productive absolutely i feel like too um like what you do so for example like everyone knows you troy for like when you like woo in game and like you keep your team hyped and i feel like there's like when you're when people see you outside of game like you're not constantly in their face like fucking wooing like yes you know? so it's like everything has a time and a place and i feel like I don't know if I listen to my comms back when I was like on C9, I was screaming after each round, each kill. And I feel like now it's like, you know, a, a round doesn't matter. Cause like a whole game can be changed no matter what. So it's like, you're not, I don't necessarily like celebrate until like the game's like over. Yeah. I think that's personal maturity. I don't even know if that comes from, I don't even know if you can say that that's like a game thing. You know, I, I feel like I, we all play enough games off stream. Doesn't matter what game it is. It can be Rainbow Six, it can be CSGO, it can be Valorant, it can be fucking Fortnite, anything. Everybody's had that teammate where they die 
And instead of giving info, they're just like, what the fuck, man? I did this. And then they just say four excuses for why they died. I've been that. And then I, I scream in the mic, where? Yeah, I think everybody's been that. And if, if, if there's if there's somebody that's watching or listening to this and they're like, I've never had that teammate. You are that teammate if you say that. So, you know, if you're like, yeah, what? Uh, my teammates never do that. It's because you're doing it. So stop doing it. But um, I think that, like I said, I think both of you have, have grown a ton. And I think there's, uh, I think it's it's been fascinating to watch both of you because, I mean, I I was obviously knew Fox A at a more personal level than I knew you achieved. But I mean, I you were such a big figure, whether you want to admit it or not, in Challenger League for so long that I think a lot of people expected you to eventually make it. And I'm, I'm glad you did. So with that said, we'll close the chapter on your personal growth. I might come back to it intermittently, but let's turn our sights towards the NA major because we talked about it last week with Get Flanked, but obviously Get Flanked brings a specific perspective regarding Dark Zero and through content creation. Both of you actually played in it. So let's talk about that. Too. Yeah, I know you played in it, Troy. You finished third. So thank you. You're very welcome. Wow. You're very welcome. Um hey at least it wasn't at least it wasn't second, right? Um it was second last. Uh, uh, team results. So uh, we can we can dive into your individual team results in just a second. But the question that I want to get out of the way is DZ comes in through the qualifiers. They don't look that strong. They had a bit of a rough stage one through the mid half of it. They didn't look that good. They almost they almost lost to the Sonics. The Sonics almost got their spot instead of them. But then DZ dominates the major. It's, in fact, I would argue it's probably the most dominant performance I've seen out of that team since getting picked up by Dark Zero in any particular stretch of time. Going into the major, as members of each of the three teams that got to witness what Dark Zero did to the competition, were you surprised by how well Dark Zero played? And we'll start with Achieved, who's already nodding his head. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I was really surprised because, I mean, I don't actually know if they showed the, like, the interview video, but I didn't even expect to play DC, to be completely honest with you. Um, so I definitely did not expect it at all. Uh, not, not that, like, DZ is, like, because I, I also think, like, DZ, I don't think the DZ that we played in the major was the same DZ that played, obviously, in the first stage or even against, like, the Sonics. I think it was a completely different team. Um, not even on their attack, like their, their attacks didn't change. It was their defenses mainly. Like you see them play aggressive a lot more. You see them fight a lot more. Uh, they're playing together and they play really out now rather than kind of just like sitting in a corner and, um, just waiting for like the attackers to burn stuff and then eventually like collapse in on them. Uh, they don't play like that. Like they didn't play like that in the major at all. Um, so like I definitely didn't expect it. I think they changed a lot. Uh, they fixed their defenses. Um, I definitely think it's the best performance that DZ has like ever had. I would say uh, throughout when the org picked up that team by far, um, they looked the like most. They looked the best, and they played like probably their best. Um, and also, everyone on that team played really good during the major. I will credit that um, going into that major. Uh, to I've made the joke that it's just hyper. Stuff like that, who was like showing up. I think but we all made everyone, that joke. 
Yep. Everyone on that team played how they like were supposed to play, I guess, and they all played like really well. So uh props to them. Absolutely. Um I just think I mean, we didn't get to play DZ, uh, but just from like watching everything that they did, like we our first game versus TSM, uh like uh, if you would ask me the first day, I would would have said that TSM looked probably the strongest. Uh, I feel like the first day, their first game versus us was it. It was insane how like TSM played like insanely well. Then we played SSG. Uh, it was like a close game. SSG ended up winning, and like so at the time we were like, okay, like you know, TSM is probably gonna get like first. We think TSM might win. Like you know, they keep playing the way they played versus us. They're actually gonna be crazy. And uh, then the next day when we actually got to watch DZ play and like pay attention to them it was just like the team that dz was during the season was completely different from the team that was in the major um like like matt said everyone on dz was alive all their strats like were per like you know working on all cylinders and yeah i, I when i watched easier when i play them in pro league i would think like okay dz is kind of the slow methodical team you know they try to burn the utility they take their time um they don't necessarily do anything out of the blue, but I felt like in the major, they were really good on getting their picks uh, on attack. You know, they weren't stalling out or necessarily slowing down. It really felt like they were capitalizing on all the mistakes that other teams would do. And like, I wouldn't necessarily call them mistakes. It would just be like, you know, they leave something open for even a second and like they, uh, DZ would just be able to make a play so quick. So I know DZ is a very preparation heavy team. And I feel for like this event, they were able to prepare very well. But just like off of pure skill, like I feel like everyone turned up. Even like I'm pretty sure it was like hot and cold was like the MVP of the of the major. And it's just like when you have like a support player or like secondary support player like performing that well to where they're getting called as like, you know, the MVP of the event, they're performing that well, then like the whole team's just gotta be doing good for, you know, your backline player who's just supposed to be planning to be able to like make uh like that much waves, like that that many moves, and be able to like help his team win. So, I, I thought they played like just absolutely insane. Is it my turn? Yeah. I mean, there's not really turns. <laughs> um, uh, so I think again. I mean, I I've said this before, and I guess I'll say it again. Uh, DZ out of the NA teams, DZ is the best team with prep time. Like, and that's not an argument, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, so I, I came into the event expecting them to be good just because they had time to prep. Like, it, that was just expected to me. Um, I don't think they dominated us, but I mean, like, it was a 2 1. Some maps close, some not so close, but like, overall, it was like relatively close, I'd say. So I, I don't feel like we got dominated. Um, I do think that season was a wake-up call for us as a whole. Um, I don't think we had the right approach to the meta from the start, and that was that was evident from our performance at the start. And then we started to pick it up a bit, and then, yeah, so on and so forth. And then, uh, I don't know. I, I guess my, my take on, like, the TSM games, though, because those were the only other two games. The first game, like, it looked like TSM. It looked like you guys weren't awake. The first time you played DZ, and then the second time you played DZ, it looked like you were, and then you guys lost like two clutches in the first two mm -hmm. attack rounds on Cafe, and then it was just like, it was like that was yeah. it, that was it. Yeah, we um, should have been up like six one, but 
Yeah. So, like, it seemed to me like you guys never recovered from that. And again, like, I, uh, DZ still played well. Like, they were just playing well through the whole event. Um, but I do think, like, I expected you guys to have a better chance in the rematch. One, because I think you were more adjusted to their style, which is, like, which is a big thing. I think this, this is going to be a hot take. And I'm not, this isn't me, like... This isn't me taking a jab at DZ. Like, they deserve to win the major. I'm not saying they didn't deserve to win the major, okay? Um, but I think as a tournament progresses, they become worse. And I think that's because of their preparation. I think they prepare a lot for a tournament, and I think teams get more and more adjusted. And they've yet to prove to me that they adjust themselves more and more throughout the event. I haven't proven it to me. I mean, they, I don't know. Whether they agree or disagree, that's up to them. But um, that's my take on them. And like in an event that I guess lasts that long. Uh, but yeah, I th- I th- they showed up. And the biggest thing I'd say is that all the individuals showed up. But I will say I think that might have been them kind of redesigning how they played to get everyone more involved. Uh- because I felt like like Hyper got all their kills before, but like Hyper's not an aggressive player. Like, Hyper just fucking sits on his lane, and then, like, they force people into Hyper, like, with utility. Or, like, he gets his kills in, like, the last second when everyone's scrambling. Dark Zero is um, also a great team for droning and comms work, and Hyper really excels off of that. Yeah, as true. Well, right? Yeah. But, I, like, them droning in Hyper, like, that's not the same as, like, like when TSM drones in Merc. Like, when TSM drones in Merc, like, that, that motherfucker's flying at you. Right, like you know he's coming fast, but like when when DZ drones in hyper, like they'll drone you in a room, right? And then like hyper's on the doorway, and you're stuck in the room. And then all of a sudden, like they start throwing shit at you. They'll throw a nade at you, or they'll breach a wall. They'll breach a f- see, like they'll do whatever you you they do to make you move out of that corner you're in. And then you walk into hyper's crosshair, right? It's like a lot different. And I think they took a different approach to the attack to where it wasn't about that as much anymore. I, I like I, I don't know how exactly to explain it, but like it was different. Everyone else was more involved because of it. I'd like to add, yeah. like I, I'll agree on the on the front where they're just be, because DZ is such a strategy, and you know they they really set like a game plan for all the teams that they play. I will say that whenever I see whenever D, uh, DZ goes to a LAN, I feel like I end up seeing them like, I guess it's more of like a, a fresh fight when they're playing versus like a European or a Latin American team because they don't have as much time to prep. And I feel like this major did favor them because it was all the North American teams that they know very well. They had a lot of time to prepare for. Um, and I mean, in this major, there wasn't as many nerves as like a normal major because, you know, it's, there's, I guess, I don't want to say less on the line. It was still a major, but you know, you're at home. It doesn't necessarily feel like that land environment. Um, but I will most teams in every region were saying that it's it it doesn't it's, feel yeah. the same. Like the stakes aren't as high. With with all that being said, it definitely seems like it, it favors DZ in a lot of ways, but I will give them the credit for that they played completely different from how I've seen them play before. And I th- would have liked to have seen or I hope to see that the DZ that was at this major play at like an actual LAN uh um, yeah. once like, you know, COVID's done and everything. Like, because yeah. I agree with that. I think that like that's a good point. Is like they were yeah they're different than when we what we've seen before. But like it didn't they didn't necessarily get the chance to like 
prove what they would want to, right? Because like they very well could have figured out like what their issues were, like what issues were like at a at a big international land. Like they might have had like a new approach or their new style for the game, and that might have worked really well. But we don't know that. Um, and that that's what I mean when I say like it, it hasn't been proven to me because I have seen like these issues from my like when I'm watching like the events I see like issues with them but like yeah they very well may have figured it out we just don't know just because like they didn't have the opportunity to show it they only had the opportunity to yeah like just play the the mini major right yeah now I would also uh, agree with pretty much all that um the one thing that I would like to like say I guess is although like the, their prep work really helps them like uh for na i feel like how much they prep for na actually is the reason why they suffer at lands um because you know if you give them a day to prep for a match like they'll probably you know they'll probably come up with some stuff but they can't redo like completely like a lot of stuff like they would have to do at an actual land so when they prep extensively for any play day or dna major for example which is fine and i mean i like it um but I'm just saying when they go to land and they don't have that time to prep for these international teams, they just like, I guess their adaptation is like not as good as like they would hope it to be. But this is something that we've said about this team since they were flip side, though. I mean, I guess technically when when they were SK, everybody kept saying, you know, oh, they're so prepared. They're so prepared. And then I remember what was it at, at DreamHack Montreal, which was the first time they played under SK, if I remember correctly, back in. I think it was like two years ago. I remember a couple different teams saying, oh, you know, how are they going to do at, an, at a LAN event? Because they won't have a week to prep. They won't have three days to prep. They might have, you know, a couple hours in the groups and then the next day they're going to have their matches right away. And, and how well are they going to be able to do against their teams with, with less prep? And I, I mean, this is also a team that scrims quite, or at least scrimmed quite heavily against Latin America teams. So at least they have some good exposure outside of the region. And there was even a period of time, I don't know if they still do this, but it, it, I'm sure the three of you will recall, there was a period of time where they almost never screamed, scrimmed NA teams. It was all LATAM or NA Challenger League. So they, uh, were, they, they notoriously tried to stay away from scrimming pro league teams. I don't know if that's changed. I'm assuming it has, but um, I, I think the thing that impressed me the most was... Uh, just the depth that they showed and you know one of you mentioned that they were really good at, at finding small mistakes and exploiting that but i think there were a couple times where they forced people to make mistakes too there were times where you know i'd see eclipse move in and he would manage to get away with an entry frag that it wasn't even him just making you know good use of somebody's mistake it was just he was just really his game sense was great. Sometimes he was being droned in. Sometimes he wasn't. Same with Houghton. So I've really struggled to put my finger on why I think DZ played as well. I do think they were better prepped. Um, I don't know if I would be so bold as to say that they get worse the longer events go on. Because of anything, I, I think they did kind of look a little bit better. But then again, the big turning point that we mentioned well, was that was that clutch. Those two clutches, right? That broke TSM. Well, yeah, that's not what I meant in that sense. So, like, so this is how I see it. If they have, like, when I, when I say, like, as an event goes on, like, if, if you were at, like, a big international event, right, like, you have 
two to three matches in group stages, and then you have the main bracket, right? <laughs> Realistically, when a team shows up to an event, they're going to prepare specifically for their group, and then like they'll have like small prep, like mostly like scouting report kind of thing for like the other teams at the event. And the way I see it is that with DZ's like DZ, like they, they come in with like fresh looks on a lot of maps and a lot of sites and like a different style. And I think that was the biggest thing for, that was the biggest thing for the NA major is that they came in with a different style. And I think that end of the day, that makes them a more consistent team. But what I'm getting at is that when they when they have these looks that catch you off guard, it's like kind of like throwing you into a maze, right? Like you just get fucking thrown into it, and it's like, all right, good luck, get the fuck out, right? But then they've but then after the group stage, it's like everyone that everyone that's getting thrown into this maze, they've all seen it from the top. They all know how to get out of that shit. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's a lot different in that sense. This, by the way, yeah, yeah. So you see where I'm getting at, but that makes sense. Once you get, um, like, yeah, once you get a look at it, you can understand it a lot better. And I think that changes things up. And then also, when you're playing international teams, you're also dealing with different stuff for you. When you're playing domestic teams, like, it's the same old thing. To, to a certain degree. They caught, they caught everyone off guard, though. And I think that's always been their edge over, like, the other NA teams, is that they can be unpredictable with the right amount of time. But it's only with the right amount of time. And that's why I don't think they transition as well, like after the group stage at a LAN event, because it's not enough time to reinvent the wheel. After the group stage, they can't come in to the playoffs, and then all of a sudden everyone's like, oh shit, what the fuck? Like, it's a whole new DZ again. Um, not to say that they can't do that, because they can, but... They have to prove that to me, at least. Um, so, yeah. No, I, would, I agree with that completely. I, I would like to just go back based off of what Parker said. Uh, this might be a hot take, but like I personally don't think that DZ roster was ever good until they got this roster, that they, the players that they have now. Like, I mean, I, like, I think a lot of their strategy is what like helped them win like the preparation for NA events, and that's what like helped them get to events um, because they would just be so good versus NA. But I don't think their team has ever necessarily been strong, at least like individually strong, until they've gotten this roster of like skies and eclipse to be able to like entry in with hyper, be able to play around them. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the maybe like their struggle was necessarily keeping the same format in the same way that they play their old rosters, but with skies and eclipse. But I feel like on that roster, they just have like so much more potential of what they can do with those players that I feel like now they're starting to um mess around with different types of ideas and kind of like go away from this wheel that like Troy said that they've made and, and get away from this script because when you have players that can like all capitalize off of each other, like Skies, like Tyler, and like hyper hyper on the entry, and then you have Mint who's like I mean, I've never heard of my GL, but like everyone from DZ like says that, that guy's like the like the brain from God and like can him and BC are just always cooking up in the shop. So like if those guys are able to have these flexible players that they can mold around a strat. Maybe that's why now that they're finally finding this groove, they're able to kind of take that into like more international events and be a lot more consistent um, in NA. But yeah, that's just my opinion. Cause I don't know. I thought like, I thought it's like, it's like weird comparing 
this team now to previous renditions because I feel like, like I said, like I look at other renditions of the team and it just looks like they have to run a script because of the players that they have on the team. And if they do anything else, they'll just get slapped because those players can't compete. But now they have players that can actually compete and their back line's thriving. You know, Mint and Houghton are going crazy. And now they physically have the entries to make these plays to be able to put like the strats into like into play and get those people into those positions. Yeah. Um, and I even want to touch up on the thing that like Troy mentioned, um, to be honest with you, because it's something that Gio actually brought to me after our first loss against him in the season. Um, because if you look at our first loss to, uh, to them, when we played them at the beginning of the season, they were on Villa, they were throwing Cades in spots that no one has, we, we have ever seen. And that just goes back to them just using something that we have never seen before. I mean, we were able to like work around it because we like still like won quite a few of those rounds. Um, but even Gio told me he said DZ is the worst team to play like early on in in any in a like in any season or any land event because they're always going to have something that they have like cooked up and that they're going to be able to show. Um, for instance, when even whenever they played SSG uh, after they beat us in a major, uh, I mean, we I, I guess everyone kind of expected it, but you kind of seen them running like Blitz and Montang a lot, especially on like Cafe, right? And, uh, but when they played us, like we knew it was coming and like we dealt with it like fine. Like I think we went forward two on our defenses on Cafe and I'd say we dealt with it, with it pretty good. So it's just like, they always have that uh, factor of like just showing something that like not a lot of people have seen before, whether it's a Cade in a, a sneaky spot or like just running like, ying or you know just monting and stuff like that it's like a it's like a maze it's like you get thrown into the maze and you don't know how to get out but it was good you get to see it was good it made sense yeah and then you're yeah were those kate were those kate's good again after that because i'm pretty sure we played them on villa next and yep nah you know exactly how to get rid of them now but yeah, I mean, and but but then but then they smoked us in the major. There you go. I'll, I'll step uh, back. <laughs> I do want to say that I mean I'm not going to go so far. I'm not going to get as hot as Fox A did, uh, because genetically also just not possible. But I'm not going to go for as hot of a take as Fox A did regarding DZ never being good. Uh, I will say that oh, this I is. Say that. I, said I think weren't you said as good as everyone. I don't think they were. I don't think they were good. They were definitely not as good as their team is now. Their team now, fair. I think is a good team. Okay, they have so, they have new before. strengths. They have like, more strengths now. Yes, I, like when I you're bringing up SK, like come on, like I I don't even count them the same team. They're a completely different team. I mean the the thing that I will say is that. Back on the older DZ rosters, SK rosters, F3 rosters, there was always somebody on the team that I could I could pick up and be like, this is first drop. I don't know who's first drop on this team now. And that's usually a good sign of a strong team. And I, I mean, I'll agree in the sense that I, I think this is the strongest we've seen Dark Zero. I, I don't think they have many weaknesses. I think that they did before the major, but if the major is any indication, then they've managed to fix a lot of them and things seem to be coming together well. Uh, obviously, this remains to be seen because we're going to have a big meta shift with Ace and Malusi coming in. Um, and we're, you know, we're about to head into stage two and see if they can keep up that momentum. Before we focus, by the way, on stage two, 
Uh, I want to talk about both of your team's performances somewhat quickly. Uh, and basically, I'll start with Foxe. Uh, what happened? You went from being the first team to qualify for any major period to losing your fight for first, losing your fight for second, falling to third, and then getting eliminated first team in the major. What happened to cause this slide over the last month prior to, you know, you qualifying for the major? Yeah, we know. We uh, we did not perform as expected, nor close. Uh, I think at the start of our season, we we found, like, when we first picked up Bio and Slash, like, at, before the season started, we had, like, everything prepared, how we were going to go into it, getting ready for the teams in our group, uh, getting ready for the teams in the other group. Like, everything was pretty much, um, I guess, set on what we should do. We played our teams. <clears throat> Excuse me. We played the teams. Uh, you know, got out of our bracket. We beat SSG. Uh, by the way, when we beat SSG, uh, no one cared. Everyone was like, wow, SSG probably just, like, had a bad day. No one said that we were good. Anyway, um, beat SSG, then we TSM. Um, and then we were like, okay, well, like, you know, we're what we're doing is working. And for some reason, uh, we kind of, like, switched everything after that. We were like, we were like, oh, like, this worked, but it won't work again. So, like, we switched, like, what we're going to do to play these teams again a second time. And I'm pretty sure, I, unless I'm mistaken, we played, I think it was SSG, we literally played them on like similar maps the second time around. And like, for some reason, like we changed a good amount of, or a little bit of stuff of how we played. We changed like roles and it, we lost. Like, uh, it was just like rough. And then we played, I think we played different maps because we, we, when we beat you guys, we won on Villa and Coast. And then when we lost, we lost on Consulate, and I forget the other one, Oregon. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And then, but then, but then, when we ran it back in the yeah, major, yeah. that's, that's when we remember. played similar maps because we won on Villa Coast again. Yeah, that, that's what I meant. So, like when we went to the when we went to the major, it was almost like we were keeping this like sort of playstyle, adapting from the playstyle that we used to win to hopefully like throw you guys off guard or throw TSM off guard. Um, but it just didn't work. And it was really weird, like watching like watching our own VODs back. Um, it was kind of like a whole switch on how we played. And I feel like now we're trying to, I guess, like go back to this way of playing, uh, go back to this way of playing that was working and at least be able to adapt from that. Not as much as we did, because like, there were there was like some there was like some strats where it was just like all right our entering was good everything was solid and then like we would the second time we played it was like all right like you know we'll have like a new person on this role a new person on that role we're trying something completely different and it was just like weird to watch like how did we get you know player a to now he's playing player b like it just didn't necessarily make sense uh we went into the major like i said like um we think like tsm had a really good game versus us they played like it didn't look like tsm they looked like fucking super soldiers and like we couldn't do anything we would peek and get slapped it was just it really didn't even feel like we were like playing it just felt like it was like an aim trainer versus ssg kind of felt like we were getting more comfortable but uh i think from what troy said where like dz the longer a major goes maybe the more they struggle i feel like us it's the opposite i feel like the longer a game goes or the longer a major goes the better we get because the more unpredictable we get. So I felt like if we would have been able to have like an extra day or something, we would have been able to maybe squeak by, but 
um we prepared we felt ready uh obviously when the game day came we just didn't show up and yeah we got knocked out first so See, you could have saved yourself a lot of effort because right as I asked that question, Slashug said, we just didn't try. If we'd have tried, we'd have won. So that was your answer. He's not wrong. There you go. We, we don't lose games that we try on. There you go. So you just you <laughs> wanted to give everybody else a chance. I think that's really nice of you. Nah, I mean, there, there's just a lot of stuff that we got to, I guess, like work on and uh, the, on the way that we adapt, the way that we change, like getting ready for our preparation. So what's what's your biggest focus now? Knowing that the meta is going to change, knowing that there are some teams that have made roster moves, which by the way we'll discuss uh, later on. But what's the biggest focus for you now to make sure that you are staying in the top four for stage two? Um, I think I mean personally, the way that we're playing right now is probably my favorite favorite way that we've been able to play. Um, I feel like. It feels a lot more comfortable, a lot more fluid. I think with the new operators coming out, I think it's kind of changing the dynamic of how you play completely. Um, and I feel like the kits and everything that and the, the way you're supposed to play, I feel like right now it is benefiting us in a way. Um, mm-hmm. Although staying in the top four, I mean, that's going to be... I mean, I feel like any team in the top four can pop off. and Any team, honestly... I mean, there's like, I feel like Sonics and I want to say like, maybe like DG, maybe the new like tempo roster. I feel like the, a lot of the teams in the lower can also have like a, a blowout season where they just like, um, or a blow up season, my bad, where they just like spark up and they end up getting top four. But I mean, I don't know. I think we've got a lot of stuff to get ready for. And I think a lot of teams have a lot of stuff to get ready for. And if teams try to stay static and not change to this new meta that we're kind of fumbling into uh, i think it's going to be pretty rough for those teams so for you achieved you come in as one of the odds on favorites i think if everybody were asked to put down on their scorecard who the who do you think the finals for the na major will be i think probably you versus ssg would have been by far and away the the lead and i mean i made a very scientific using only the best methods possible twitter poll asking at the start who do you think is going to win the whole major uh and i mean you won and that's certainly you always win that and that certainly has nothing to do with you just being popular it certainly has nothing to do with with bolo or or tsm being a big org obviously like i said this is the most scientific method that exists on the planet um, people like bolo i've heard a couple <laughs> things about him i we thought everyone hated him dude some people have some people have requested him on here so um not everyone hated that guy you have some really That's an asshole. Okay. You have some <laughs> you have some weird hiccups where as Troy said you looked kind of asleep. Uh then it comes to the finals and DZ takes map 1, it puts them up to nothing. Uh but you look like you've come alive on cafe until mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, Everybody speculated, including the casters, that that was the turning point. And basically, after those two clutches, the team just collapsed. Would you say that's accurate? I've been there, achieved. <laughs> um, I, I definitely think that played a factor in like the turning point. I guess you could say. But we all know that Cafe is a def- defender-sided map. Um, I definitely think that we played good those two rounds. Um, and I definitely think we should have won those two rounds and we should have been up 6-2 or whatever. Um, but 
I after those two rounds, it was the Ia because like those two rounds meant a lot. It went from either being at six two or four four, and then they're on defense. So like those are two rounds that we should have won. Yet now they now they're on a defender sided map already, and then you know those are just more rounds they're going to be able to get on the board. But like us losing that map, like I definitely feel like we should have won it, and it's kind of un- I guess unlucky that we just we just couldn't close it out. Um, obviously, there's a lot of mistakes that we made. But uh, in the terms of like the next map, though, when we went into the next map, I don't think the first map affected us. To be completely honest with you, I don't want to put the blame of like our wrongings on Cafe onto the reason why we lost on Oregon, because they left Oregon up, and uh, even the first time we played them, they left it up. They wanted to. I think even though like I think before going into before going into that matchup, we were probably considered the best Oregon team in NA. I would. I don't know if other people would agree with that. You hadn't but I'd lost say, Oregon in ages. Yeah. And we beat already all the top teams on it. Like, we beat DZ, we beat OHG on it, so... Didn't beat um, us. You guys were too scared we to play. No. Well, we didn't get to play uh, OHG. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, um, yeah, so they, I mean, they left it up, so we we figured they'd had something on it, um, and they just completely, like, counter-strated it. Like, like if you if you go and look at their setups, like, I mean, we played like we played. I'd say we played bad. I'd say the calling on my end is what was really bad because uh, just the the stuff that I was calling um, was really bad. We we weren't able to adapt and do stuff like that. Um, I definitely know what to do next time we play something like that. But they played really out. Like they played heavy info denial. They played like vigil, mozzie, mute, and they just completely spread out on all, like every side of the map. And Oregon is not a map that's very easy to, if you hit one side of the map, it's not very easy to rotate the push because by the time you get on the other side of the map, like they're just going to be over there or they're going to rotate some of their stuff. And uh, so I, I don't know. I blame it a lot on my calling to be completely honest with you for that map, but they, they just completely like counter strided it. Like they were everywhere that they they had like a bunch of stuff that like, like repelling into T three, like they had holes and meeting for a guy meeting to hold that. Even if we rotated, they 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 were really set up on that map. So they just counter shot us on that map. I think is that I mean your calling sure might be part of it, but if they were able to counter strat you so well, and you hadn't lost Oregon since its rework, does that not fall on the prep of TSM versus the calling? Because shouldn't you have been bringing things at that point that even if your calling is lackluster? they are not prepared for um i mean we, we could always change some stuff up on oregon like for sure but i feel like oregon's oregon's kind of a map where you, you can't really change too much up on the way you entry enter the building and stuff um you know you usually take the same pathing i mean sure you can change it up like here and there but like i don't know there's not like too much you can't get like super creative i feel like with it and the way that they played it they just completely like info denied like every every side of the map so I don't really think it would go to like prep because like I, I definitely think like we could we could have changed some stuff like going into the match I guess but like at that point like we never like I don't know because when we first the first time we played them in the major we like when we played them on cons we knew that they like their roams now they like to roam really heavy and play really far out with info ops so we kind of expected going into the cafe and Oregon that it would be the same but like. I guess we didn't expect it to that extent because we've never played against a team that's played like that on Oregon, to be completely honest. Like, no team we've ever played in a scrim has played like like that because it wasn't like... 
it wasn't like they were just playing the info denial because they were playing that really well, but they weren't giving anything up and they were helping each other like really like tremendously. So usually time when we play and someone does like a like a roam strat, you know, they'll play it for a few drones and give it up and stuff, but like they didn't, so yeah. The two of you assess of that final match having watched TSM versus uh DZ, Fox Canadian. I mean, I think I think Achieve summed it up pretty well. Yeah, like, uh, like the way you described like those two rounds on Cafe, I agree. It's like, like attacks on Cafe are, are an opportunity like you don't want to give up. Basically, like if you choke, like if you're on the if you start on defense half and like you choke like your first or second defense or something, right? Like you know you can still make up for it in your future defenses and it'll be all good. But like when you have two like attacks that you should have won, like it, it's in the back of your mind. Like it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I definitely see how that played a factor. And then, yeah, like Oregon, I, I definitely noticed that too. Um, like, especially the basically like their basement roam. That was like the big one I noticed um, that like seemed to, to mess with you guys. I mean, that, they won the other sites as well, but like that one stuck out to me because like most teams, yeah, they just they make you fight for like pillar and blue and basement. And like that, the fight isn't earlier on in the ramp, basically. And it was just yeah. like a, a different look, and it definitely, it, you could tell it made you guys uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, not for sure. The one thing that I noticed, at least on Oregon, was that the way DZ was playing, at least how like we've scrimmed versus Oregon and played Oregon, it's kind of like, you know, at like you said, Achieve, you kind of like hold a position, shoot a couple of drones, and then like once they're putting so, too much pressure, you kind of fall back. But it looked like DZ was just like, so confident in the angles and lanes that they were holding with each other that there was like not many points where they were like okay like this is getting too hot like i could get shot from here or whatever like they just had so much confidence in each other that like you know they had their crosses like perfectly set up and i just feel like they just didn't feel like scared i guess they weren't worried and i don't know some i i feel like some games like it's just like a confidence thing. I don't know if this, like, it, I don't know if this is how you guys felt in the game or how DZ felt, but DZ probably the way it looked like is they just like were so confident that there was going to be like no like individual play or like no like rat play. So they were like, they just didn't have to worry about getting like shot in the back necessarily. And from your guys' point of view, it was almost like you guys were taking control, but at the same time, like the control you had, like they were still like, super close to just being able to retake it. They weren't necessarily just like giving it up and like letting you guys just like sit free. Yeah. No, I definitely think like confidence always plays a factor in every game. And they were really confident. And um, even like the first time, like we went up against someone, we were like asleep at the wheel. Like, you know, I was telling the team like a week before, I was like, all right, guys, you know, our first game isn't until like, you know, three or whatever, but, you know, East, but be ready to play at noon, like every day, because that, the time is probably going to come, you know, we're going to have to, you know, be ready to play early. And then, uh, like, we weren't, con- I mean, I guess we were confident going into that match too, but like, I don't know, their confidence was at like, I guess like a really high and maybe it has something to do with, you know, the, like the land environment or whatever that we spoke on earlier about the pressure not being the same or whatever, but I definitely feel like, yeah. I mean, their confidence was through the roof. They were hitting a lot of shots. They were playing really well together. So, I think after finally beating us, bro, there was no way they weren't going to be feeling confident. That's on us. Yeah. Oh, it's all about you, isn't it? (laughs) 
the time zone i get like if it was at like a normal land you'd have to wake up early but i don't know maybe it was just because we were at home but dude like you were saying that you have to play by noon man our coach was getting us ready yeah. getting us up at seven seven yes bro 7 a.m we're waking like, up yeah. at the ass crack at dawn yeah. bro like i understand yeah. Troy only gets like, up at that time to play golf nothing else <laughs> this okay, is man. It was just yeah. the, I think the the time the time change was definitely rough. Yeah, no, I, we were all in different time zones. So like Bo and them, you know, they had to been up at the same time like y'all had to. Yeah. Bo and like Geo and stuff, and Merck and Chawler were one hour behind like y'all. Anyways, but uh, I mean, yeah. So I was probably like the only one who actually like had to be up at like noon. Everyone else had to be up a lot earlier, like their time. So, but yeah, like even at invite, when we went to invite. All our games were at ten a.m. Like we were the first game pretty much every like every time. But, uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. It I just like, wasn't the same being at home. Yeah. When you're, when you're at invite, like when I'm, when I'm at an event, I feel like I wake up at, at like fucking like 6am and I'm trying to like force myself to sleep longer so that I'm not yeah. tired, but you just have so much like excitement. Like you're just ready to play, but like at home, like it's like, oh, alarm's going off. You got to wake up at seven. We got to like get some coffee, do something, start doing bands. And it's just like everyone it's, you're just in this. Yeah. There's not as much hype as there is at an event. Yeah, I mean, it's it's more comfortable and teams have talked about this uh, in the past and players have talked about this. And I think it's one of the things that when NA does move to LAN as well will be a major benefit is that if you've only ever played on LAN a couple times, you know, even even somebody like you, Fox, who's played on a, a ton of LAN events, you're still going to get that adrenaline. You're still going to get that excitement. It's It's always there, you know, but especially for people who are new to LAN, you're not waking up in your own bed. You're not going down to eat in your own kitchen. You're not playing at the desk that you play on every time that's the same height and the same computer chair that's the same comfort level, etc. You're playing on a, a basically a, a clean playing field that's entirely foreign to you. And then add to it that it's live with a crowd watching and you know you've got more eyes on you than usual. It's a totally different thing, right? And uh, I think that when when NA or well, the US division to be more specific moves towards LAN, I think it's going to give a massive leg up and it's something that you know, we've seen EU complaining about endlessly, haha, <laughs> suck it, that NA is going to, to thrive on because you're going to be playing, you know, you're going to be waking up in your own bed, sure, but you're going to be coming to a studio, you're going to be playing at a different setup, you're going to be playing possibly in front of people if there ends up being an audience we don't know, um, and it's going to prep you really well for that, so, um, that said, oh, 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 all I heard is that DZ won the NA major because Hot and Cold sleeps better at home. Whatever excuses you want to make up, Troy. Whatever excuses you want to make up. Go I right gotta up. make them fucking sick of me again, bro. That's all. As if they're not already there. You gotta, you gotta put like the, the end game screen of like DZ winning the major. Like put that as your computer background and then like tweet that that's your background. It's like motivation for this next next uh, season. I, I mean, it, mo it might have motivated one. him, but he still finished second. So, wait, what? Oh, wait, you what? It that that because you did that with the Penta one, right? You oh. put up the picture of Penta winning, and you said, "This is my motivation." Yeah, and then and you still finished second. I won the Invitational. Years later. Yeah. It's if I go, if I go back home and get on my computer in Toronto, that's still my background. So okay. what's that? Yeah. What's that word? That word called? It's like uh, you like do something now to like make yourself like believe it. Like you know, in, uh, I don't know how to, what's the word. Manifest it. He's like manifesting oh, yeah. a win. 
He's lying yeah. to himself. Yeah, I'm delusional. I know. <laughs> uh, hey, it, it it makes you believe it. My 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 mom every day FaceTimes me. She always tells me she's like, "What you got to do? You got to get a, a a Bristol board or something. You got to put pictures of winning in, in front of like your gaming setup, and then like you know." That's called something. It's called like a dream board or something like that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, where it's like you put things that you want on a board or something, and then you look at it, and it's just like you. But like, my friends' parents did that to like their toddlers to teach them rules. Like where it's like a picture of like a clean room, and then like a made bed, and then like an action figure, and it's like if they follow two of those, like we're we're adults. No, no. Listen, there. What's it called? There's always this story that I always think about when. uh Whenever my mom tells me this, Jim Carrey, before he was famous, he was broke. He wrote a check for himself for a million dollars and put it in his wallet. And then for the whole year, he would just like look at it and like try to pursue acting. And then he blew up and cashed his own check out for a million dollars. He cashed his own check. So he went to the bank and he gave himself a check for his own a million dollars. Exactly. But the thing is, he was broke. So it's like manifesting it like I'm going to get myself a million dollars so I can cash it out. Did he deposit the million like immediately or did he carry it or well, like, did he carry it around with him throughout his i don't know what he did with the money but i'm saying like throughout the year he accumulated a million dollars through acting and then he was like it's like it's like a mental thing it's a mental thing rainbow for me it's different thing. like i gotta imagine something that fucking pisses me off like just fires me the fuck up is that why you do like, this I podcast used to, with me yeah kind of get to talk about shit that pisses me off this podcast? like i used to bookmark tweets bro i used to make like screen, I used I used to watch Twitch clips. Ooh. Oh, oh, I got the ammo, bro. You gotta fire yourself up. You gotta speaking make it happen. A, speaking of a Twitch clip, uh, <laughs> one clip, one clip that got like us going before our OHC major game was the clip of Bio on the Valley podcast. He was saying, mm. "Oh, oh, TSM, but we let them win last time we played them in Pro <laughs> League. But this time they got something coming for them." <laughs> <laughs> so that's one thing that like i don't know that kind of like fueled us in that so, sense yeah, sometimes when you see something i mean it's like when when bio saw like troy's tweet <laughs> like before we played them it's like little things like that yeah, sometimes man. sometimes they fire you up yeah like the trophy room thing i think i fired dc up like duly noted are you gonna take All credit right. for everybody's victory yeah, OXG OXG beats you in the because regular season. You're like, oh, it's all because I tweeted at Biologic. Yeah, and man. You're like, DZ wins. Why? We they they beat us in the major, and then they just, saw my just always winning, tweeted. man. I'm always playing a part. Who are That's you gifting right. a win to next? By the way, <laughs> me. I'm keeping my mouth shut, bro. Not really. I keep. I can't shut up. All right. Well, um. <laughs> We've talked about the major a fair bit, um, so let's turn our sights on... We've got the meta change coming with Ace and Malusi, but let's focus on, since we're on this topic of teams in North America, let's look at the U.S. division roster changes, because there were a couple announced this week. Uh, For those that were not in the know, the first one, Tempo Storm, dropped sloppy and have picked up my best friend, Samuel Jarvis Jarvis. Uh... I'm assuming they bring him in similar to why Luminosity did in the sense that he's going to come in and be a bit of an experienced voice. Uh, DG Disrupt dropped their social media team and replaced it with a, I don't even know what's running their social media team right now. Uh, Whatever those tweets are, goodness gracious. But they also dropped Nyx. 
And Nick's, of course, put out a twit longer, basically saying that he needed to work on his attitude and all that jazz. Um, and then for E United, they dropped Forrest and Callout, and they picked up uh, Kenzen and uh, Rexon. Um, so let's let's go through. Let's start with. I guess let's start with Tempo because it's just the one roster move. Uh, Sloppy gets imported from Europe. Plays doesn't do the greatest. They move him to Hard Breach. They dump him. They pick up Jarvis. Does this fix some of Tempo's problems? Was was Sloppy the issue, and is Tempo a better team now? I don't think. I don't think the problem with Tempo has ever been one player. So, like, I mean, I'm not like I'm not. I'm not even saying that. Like, like they could have fixed things with Sloppy even, and like they can still make things work with Jarvis. But like, the problem with Tempo has never been a player. In my uh, opinion. I'll say that I feel like, I mean, again, like we're not on the team, uh, so like I don't necessarily know what goes on. But watching their team, uh, even from way back when, I I didn't necessarily know why exactly they dropped Butters. I didn't think he was like a bad player. Uh, I mean, again, like we don't know what goes on in the team. Um, obviously, picking up Sloppy, I don't feel like Sloppy was like terrible, but at the same time, it's like, like he wasn't bad. But it was just like. Like Troy's right, it wasn't necessarily just one player. I feel like they're trying to find uh, a way to play, and like with picking up Jarvis, I think Jarvis is probably going to bring a lot more structure to the team. I don't necessarily know who is IGLing um, throughout the season. I think maybe it was crazy or something. But if they bring Jarvis in, he's able to give kind of his input. I feel like Jarvis is really good at giving structure to teams. Um, he joins them, you know, gives that structure, builds like the good fundamentals. And then, I mean, eventually he gets replaced for like some like young gunner once the team is like starting to do good. And like, that's just like unfortunate how it is. That's, but been the, Jarvis, that's the Jarvis special for the last yeah. two years. Jarvis is the training wheels of Siege. He's the fixer. <laughs> they bring him in, he fixes, then they get rid of him. Hopefully, just throw him on. Hopefully he's able to stay on this roster. Cause like, I, I feel like every roster he's been on, he he does his part really well and he like he brings a lot of fundamentals to a team that like teams don't necessarily like you don't necessarily notice like all i'm gonna say is when like no matter t what team jarvis is on i know for a fact he's teaching them the drone spawn peaks they're getting they're getting shot off rip that's like a huge amount of intel down like there's so many things that jarvis brings like that to a team that just those little things make it better to play on um <laughs> and i mean hey let's just say like Jarvis has been eaten up, eaten up recently. Uh, every time, like we scrim that guy, that guy's going fucking full throttle, just going crazy. So, like, I've always thought he was like a pro league level player. Um, so, I feel like this is like the perfect roster. Like, if he can, if he can build this team, like give them the structure that they need on tempo, then like Jarvis can just do it all. Yeah. Then they got to thank him when they can't fucking drop him, bro. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? They got to be grateful. No comment. Other other teams weren't being grateful. Maybe. <laughs> TSM. <laughs> yeah, Chief. So anyway, you dropped Jarvis. So you want to? I actually completely <laughs> forgot about that, bro. I actually completely. You guys are talking. After we won an event, looking down like. <laughs> yep. Yeah, after we won an event too. Hey, thanks for Dreamhack Montreal. Uh, Get out of here. Yeah. Um. Now the one thing that I do want to say about Tempo is, I don't think at all like it. Like Troy said, it's not just one player. Them. Them. Them dropping someone and picking someone up might help them at the end of the day. Um, 
but I don't know if it fixes like core mistakes is like my big like philosophy. Like uh like dropping a player, like sure it might help you in like a short term, but is it gonna help you long term? Like are you gonna be able to fix your core mistakes and stuff like that? I think that the main thing there, because I did think Butters was a really good player, and I also thought Soppy was a good player. I think the main thing there is their um their roles. They constantly change their roles and they haven't like had anything in set in stone for like a long time, like at all. I think the most they've had like something set was for like three months, maybe at most like six. But I think for the most part, like a lot of them constantly switch roles. Like we've seen like creators on entry. We've seen like we've seen them move crazy from sledge crazy. He's played the soft breach. We've seen him play hard breach. We've seen a bunch of like role changes there, which at the end of the day, I don't think fixes core problems. I think it like, at the end of the day, just kind of like shifts yes. them for a little bit. They they point. change roles a lot. Like at the end of the day, like I feel like at this point, if you're listening to this tempo, just do this, bro. Like at the end of the day, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest. It isn't fucking working anyways, man. Just stick with it. Like and if it doesn't work that way, I mean, like to be honest, if you change roles again, it still probably wasn't gonna work because you guys keep fucking changing them. You all played like all the roles. Just stick with something. Try to figure it out. I feel uh, like I f- the biggest thing that's going to come to them now with picking up Jarvis is, uh, is like how willing they are to adapt and how to get better. I feel like that's going to be the biggest thing. Like, I mean, I think this was my my thing on like uh, the old United roster too. Is just like if all five people get on, you guys scrim, you guys make strats. That's fine, but that's only like half of the battle. You actually have to push yourself to like be the better player. You have to push yourself not to like peak something. And unless discipline. like you have yeah, discipline, unless you have like a IGL or, or a coach or someone behind you who's actually gonna like slap you on the back of the neck if you do something stupid or tell you not to peek or tell you to play the strat, like unless you have someone that's making you feel bad for making a bad decision, then you're just gonna keep making that bad decision. So like Jarvis is coming in with all this stuff, like he can bring a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. So like it's gonna all gonna depend on each individual player on tempo if they really want to play these roles you know maybe it's not going to be something they want specifically they have to be able to do and adapt to what they want to do i mean like you guys have said the creators dream crazy they're all switching roles like you're gonna have to eventually pick something with this roster and you're gonna have to grind it out regardless of if you are a fan of it or not so i i feel like they've tried every role like individually at this point so you might as well just stick it out with something like troy said uh but i honestly think like even like going back to like me making pro league, I think the biggest thing for any player that's ever looking to get better or even like CL players who want to take their game as the next level is discipline. The main difference between like CL and PL players, like a lot of CL players can shoot. A lot of them can probably even have like shoot a little better than pro league players. Like sure. 75, think, 75% of pro league or CL shoots better than me, bro. 75%. Yeah. Like. I mean, it, it's just discipline though. Like a lot of people, they'll see someone and they have to pee, you know, like, it's just discipline. I think that like there's a there's a time to peak and there's a time not to peak, and just realizing that it's like what like will take you to the next level. I was very surprised with that roster because for those that followed Tempo before they got picked up, they went by two faced. They didn't make a single change after making it out of Challenger League, and this was a team you know that two F squad wasn't a favorite to make it out of relegations, and yet they did. And I figured like most teams, they would probably make a change. We've seen a couple teams ascend to pro league that haven't made changes and they don't go anywhere until they make changes. 
you you usually want to tweak one or two of your players, make a drop, and then hope for the best. You know, E United infamously dropped what was it, Fozo and uh, Abunai, and they picked up uh, <clears throat> Yeti and then Alphama. And I mean, I I hate to say it because I like Fozo and I like Abunai. I think that's a better team on paper. I don't mm. I don't know how they mm. would have done if they hadn't made those changes. I don't think they would have been, and and I say as successful. Mm. This was still a bottom of the mm-hmm. barrel team. Mm-hmm. Speak your piece. I think, think you're think you're on the wrong track here. I actually think them making that roster change made them a worse team. I don't know. They, about lo- that, they completely lost their identity of how they played the game. That's fine. They brought Yeti and Alfama in, and then they played Yeti and Alfama's game, and then it just, yeah. Okay, so I, I, mean, I, I completely I, agree with you on that part. I completely agree with you on that part. But if you if you look at and I know stats are like, not everything. But I know stats We're are talking everything. about playing as a team. Yes, but half of that team couldn't play at the same level as other Challenger League teams, and they were getting carried by some strong performers. You know that those strong performers are not going to be able to do that to pro league caliber teams. So when you see those stats regress, you're not going to have two of those players who are already underperforming on crucial roles against worse competition. They're going to be eaten alive even worse when playing in pro league against better teams. I mean that, but like, I, I disagree with that. Like, but so then you bring in Yeti, who's like, sure. Maybe he, he's statistically done decent in pro league, but in terms of actual success in pro league, he's actually, he's had none. Like, yes, and, all and of like Yeti's he, teams he, tend to no struggle really hard in. in and I think league. that's, I think that's down to how he wants to play the game. That's like, that's the common denominator. Getty is a leadership figure on all of the teams he's on. All of the teams he's on in Pro League have not done well. And all of the teams, he, like, they don't, they don't play the game disciplined. I will say. That's, that's, my, that's my take. I mean, I, maybe, I it'll fire, maybe it'll fetter, fire him up and maybe it'll play discipline and shut me up. But, like, dude. I agree with you there. I'm just saying, looking at the way that that team competed against much worse teams in Challenger League, the team they dominated struggled. Challenger League. The players, I, I, the players struggled. I will but, say that in CL, the thing is, I mean, at the end of the day, Parker, like, I played against them. Like they were a better team when stats, they were obey. Yeah, stats, stats don't necessarily matter. Like if you're getting the win, right? Like when you're on a team where players are able to make sacrifices for the the betterment, I think that's what. That's what makes a good team. If you're going to sacrifice your life and your stats so that you can get like a better team-oriented win, then I think that's a win in my opinion. I do think that that roster, fresh out of CL, like they like Troy said, they were doing good in CL, and then they played in the qualifier, and then they won. And it was like, I didn't necessarily think that they needed to make a change. I think, I mean, like we're not going to ignore the fact that they kind of like screwed themselves because they made a change to actually get two better players and ended up not getting two better players and ended up instead of going back to that old roster, they ended up adapting and getting two other players. Now I don't think they're bad because they got Yeti and Alfama. I think Yeti and Alfama are both good players, but the thing is one thing that sucked to me from what Troy said is they joined and now they started playing Yeti and Alfama's game, not, obeys game that i think was the biggest thing is you know yes yet yeti is mechanically a fucking nasty player but the thing is is like obey got to pro league playing their game yeti and disrupt did not get to pro league with 
probably a better mechanical I would team. Say like that they, they had most. Was they had Mo Digga, They had mechanical. Spades. Yes. They had Yeti. Like yes. they had a good mechanical team. But guess what game they were playing? They were yes. playing Yeti's game. I'm telling you, yeah. Yeti's game is not a good game. So yeah. like, yeah. I mean, I just I I, think... I hate to say it, but like I feel like he's got to hear it, man. <laughs> I think I, both of the teams like, that he's been on have been relegated. I think World's Best Gaming and both of them have been. Which, no, I mean, or yeah, Noble. I mean, I think yeah. he's a phenomenal player too. I I think maybe the philosophy of uh, the way he sees it is maybe a little bit off. I think um, as a team, yes, like that's the yeah. thing. I think he has potential. I always have. Like I, yeah. I remember when he first joined Pro League. Like I genuinely thought like he was. But he was with like, World's Best Gaming. Yeah. You talking about yeah, yeah, I, like, yeah. Yeah, like I thought, yeah. I thought they would, like I thought he, I thought he would be around. I mean, he has been around, but yeah. like that W, I, that I, that WB roster was meat. But Yeti was a uh, Yeti and Temper were the two big standouts on it, and then uh, like I haven't seen like the improvement I would have hoped to see. No, I, I okay. So here's here. Let me let me quantify this, okay? Because if you remember, there was that rumor floating around that originally it was going to be easily in vertical that we're going to join the team. Uh, and then things fell through, and then it ended up being Alfama and Yeti, but then Reed came as the stand-in, and it's actually, it, it's, to me, it's very funny that the best iteration of that roster was right after they'd picked up Yeti, and they hadn't made the full change yet, and they still had Reed, and Reed was killing everything, and that team looked like they were pretty decent, and then they yeah, changed Reed their, was going crazy. They were, they were nuts, and then Reed subs off for Alfama, and they've completely changed at this point, and now the team has just fallen into absolute disarray. Um, and I will very keenly keep an eye on what are they called apes? It's they're back to the apes or whatever. We called them 100 apes as a joke about 100 thieves when they were in the qualifiers. It's execrations coaching it. It's call outs team now. Um, I will say this. My concern and my worry is that when you've got two players that and, and yes, you're right. Stats aren't everything. And I said that right at the onset. But if you've got two players that are struggling already to hold their own against certain most if not certain challenger league players those players are very likely not going to do any better against pro league teams because the players are better if you can't light it up in the amateur scene you're probably not going to light it up in the pro scene and question all, now and all sorry no, i was just gonna say question though the maybe the players that were uh like that you're talking about who were performing quote-unquote like they're like statistically they're playing bad why they were playing bad they were reinforcing the other players to shine on the team and that's yeah. fair and and i think that's very valid and that's why i said stats don't stats don't show the whole picture you know you'll see guys that will literally spend their entire like goga had garbage stats for an entire season and nobody's doubting the fact that when goga got swapped to a different role he started killing everything because sometimes your job is to just do bitch work frankly you're you're on drones you're on cams you you literally spend two minutes of the round doing drone work you get off you try to plant you get nitro celled you know rinse repeat and yep. and there are teams that that use strats especially on defense where a lot of times some people will play to die pojo's talked about this pojo's spoken about how a lot of times on dz on defense there were certain strats that he had where he was literally just there to waste time waste utility and then die that's it are his stats going to be pretty? Agree with Probably you, not. Right? I do think that they picked up better players. Um, but honestly, I think DG might, uh, now that they've dropped Knicks, might uh, like be affected the same way. But one thing that Pojo has always told us is he says, like, you know, great players will win rounds. Like, 
if you have great players in your team, they'll win rounds. But the teamwork and the communication and everyone being on the same page is what's going to win games, map series. Yeah. And so yes, forth. exactly. It's like, but, I think that's like the consistency factor. Like you get yeah. consistency from playing good as a team because it's exactly. always there. Yeah. Right. The, like sometimes it'll fail, but it's always there. It's always progressing. Great players. Like, yeah, it's like great players only get the opportunity get the opportunity like when it's given to them right like if, if the other team fucks up and like and gives that guy like that chance to hit his nice shot that's when that's when he can change around but like yeah uh, you need to be playing well as a team my, and I, my, I think the argument you're making parker like it's understandable okay like yes you can 100 percent argue that obey had individuals that they could have been like they could have improved their roster they had upgrade potential game. as individual players was the point yes. i was making but you can't like they just they they got the wrong players yes and that's what i will agree with you on and that was the point i was trying to get to was that okay. i in in retrospect i we can look back and say yeah you probably picked the wrong ones but at the same time if i'm that team but like in my shoes, though, like if if those were the ones I was choosing, I like I I even like I was saying this to my team when I was just hearing the rumors of who they're decide like of them deciding, and I was just saying like this is going to be bad, like they should not do this. They should keep the same roster because just in that instance, it wasn't worth it. Just because like it, it's I don't know, it it keeps happening. And it, it hasn't helped the team at all just, moving forward. The like team has my- been rough with my like final point on them is that uh listen i i don't i'm not too familiar with the stats of how they were in cl but i know when i was watching their qualifier game playing in cl and playing in pro league are two different things when i was watching their qualifier game i i saw the i saw abunai going like doing pretty decently well like there was like a couple clips of him getting like a two three k to win his team around i don't think that that guy was necessarily costing his team so like i don't think he was bad um and I don't think Fozo, I mean, Fozo, if you're talking about bitch work, Fozo is the embodiment of doing bitch work. That yeah. fool was like always on drones, always on cams. Like he almost never got to use his gun. Like, I mean, uh, I don't necessarily want to say like if he was put on a different role, like how he'd do, but I just know on that team, like, you know, he was making sacrifices so that the rest of his team would look good. And I feel like the time that you play together, the things that you go through each other, just knowing each other's like body language and playing, like that just makes a team necessarily better. And then when they go to make a change, obviously, okay, getting Kevin Vert, okay, it makes sense. They're getting rid of uh, an, a fragger, like an Abunai, yeah. which out of Abunai, Forrest, and Grixer, I don't think Abunai was the worst performing one out of those three, right? Forrest had like, a really good CL season that season, though. And it, it totally, in my opinion, it totally masked Forrest having a pretty lackluster performance up until that season. That's true. So it's like, okay, well, it makes sense. You're getting Vert. Like, you could drop, like, probably any one of them and get Vert, like doesn't it like no questions about it then you're getting rid of fozo who's like a support player so it's either fozo or call out call us the igl obviously fozo is getting the short end of the stick kev's a great support player so it's like you're winning two players for these spots and the thing is is those players would have gotten on like i've talked to both of them those players were going to get on and they would have gotten redeemed like they were going to join their team and they were going to play their game like they're not going to come in and start making changes then you pick up Okay, Reed Yeti. So now the whole dynamic of the cha- team changes. Reed's playing great on this kind of like supportive flex role, like the Thatcher kind of like Echo Maestro smoke like type of stuff where he's like flexing on and off. Then Alfama comes and it's like, okay, well, Alfama's like a really good support player in Europe, but now he's on like entry. 
and Yeti's also on entry. So now you're pushing like Forrester Grixer to like play support. And like I gotta give props to Grixer because that that guy's like he's primarily should be like an entry around a flex player. They had to like push him. Like he was playing whatever he could for the role. I've seen him play Maestro, I've seen him play Smoke. That dude was trying to do anything to make it like work for his team. And now you have a player who's like statistically was probably like the best on the team, which is Grixer. Now he's kind of taking a hit so that you can have Yeti Nafama go crazy. And Callout's IGLing, Callout picks up these two guys. I feel like Callout's not one of those guys to be like, yo, dumbass, stop fucking peeking, stop jumping out. And I feel like that's what the biggest issue on United was, was no one's going to sit there and slap someone on the back of the neck if they're doing a stupid play. Yeah. And a big thing comes from their practice. In their practice, those fools were always in sight in point two. Everyone know everyone knows about United. That's because we're just rushing sight. That's part of the problem. Is like it like foxes make the point of like someone's slapping them on the back of the neck, like stop doing that, dumbass. But like you get the vibe that like over there it's encouraged. Like yes. should I hop out this window? Fuck yeah, bro. Like do it. Like Yo like, Alfama sprint like, into sight. Where's everybody else? Doesn't matter. If you're in the kitchen cooking up strats, like, you know, working together, I feel like Bagel himself gets a lot of, like, heat, more heat than, like, he should. But at the end of the day, it's just, like, if you're, like, making these strats right and you're relying on a spawn peak or jumping out of a map, like, that pick that you get from jumping out of the map, you can't consistently contribute it to that strat. You can't be like, oh, this is going to, I'm going to get a spawn peak every, every round, right? Yeah. So it's like you have to physically practice the strat, the setup, playing off of each other. and Personally, like when you would scrim that old roster, like on, you know, on attack, like those guys were just fully rushing into sight. And, and on defense, it was like, you know, we have to pay attention to these jump outs. And it's like, you're not necessarily getting any practice from that. And no one's going to tell these guys no, because one, you know, you got Alfama from Europe. You're not going to tell that guy how to play. Like you spent money on him. That dude is a good player. Like you see him do good on in Europe. And so you're, you're not going to tell someone who, you think has more experience than you who you think is better than you like these three new players who are coming into pro league they're not going to be like yeti don't do that alfama don't do that so you need like your coach to kind of step up or you need those players to step up but it just looks like no one's necessarily doing it and like yeti and alfama are both mechanically skilled players but they just need like i think that team just needs the structure of someone being able to like yell at them and like, they have meepy can we talk about that for a second like i would well i'd like to talk about bagel personally Guaranteed results. Dude, why did you guys? Was he on your team or something? Do you have some experience with Bagel? Um. Okay. So the thing that shocks me the most, and it goes to what Fox and even Troy is saying, how like they encourage dumb shit or whatever. Um. When Bagel was when Bagel was on our team, Bagel did not. I don't. Okay. I don't know if they just don't listen to him, or I don't know if Bagel has fully like gone with their play style. But when Bagel was on our team. We were not like that at all. Bagel, if we would do if we do dumb stuff, Bagel would be on us. We peek something we don't need to, Bagel would roast us. Like, 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 we would not be allowed to, you know, do these peaks. You know, we wouldn't be allowed to play aggressive or, or, you know, run around and jump out of a window and do stuff like that. So, seeing that Bagel is on that team and it seems like nothing has changed, it, it kind of like shocks me because like. I know that from Bagel's original style of how he wants to play the game and how he wants his team to play the game is not that. So, it, it doesn't strike me as Meepy's style of gameplay either. 
you know and and i've said Whoa. this many i've said this many times i know that secret was quite secret secret was fucking crazy secret yeah, were crazy. crazy i will say though but yes like maybe has had always a had a roster. very we talked about this literally true we literally yes, had this true. exact conversation yes. they had leon gids you let leon gids go true. be dumb i feel like i feel like he they just don't things. i don't i don't i don't necessarily know how much like Meepy does for them, but like Meepy was like a great player, and I feel like I mean I, again I don't know much about Meepy, but I feel like if Meepy saw some like stuff that they would do, like I feel like he'd be the type of player to be like, don't do that, or like I don't know, maybe he's like going full into it and like encouraging uh, their strengths, but I don't know. I don't know. I know I heard, I heard Meepy say one time, but again this was like this was on his team when he was a player. I remember him saying sometime that like. They just basically had a rule on their team. It was like you could do whatever the fuck you wanted, but if you fuck up, you just you just admit it. You're like, that's on me. Yeah, that was basically it. Like that that was I, it. Yeah. And like, it was almost like that. No one was gonna give each other shit for it, though. You know what I mean? So that way, like, no one felt pressure to like get risky. But like, you gotta tone it down in a sense because you gotta know like when to stop when it's not good when it's predictable that's the problem yeah. is that there's there's no breaks like you you go people go into a match and they're just expecting it from united yeah. like I, I could I actually honest, guarantee you works, if like by the way if they if they threw in some rounds where they were just sitting in corners like they yeah. would they would kill like two minutes <laughs> from doing nothing because yeah. people would like be fucking slowly approaching the building like watching out for everything so but like, it, it's just yeah they don't mix it up in that sense it, this is my worry for like their roster change with picking up uh Kansen and Rexon mm -hmm. is like one like everyone knows Rexon was like so like so aggressive on LG like he was like their primary like you know like entry primary bromer like the dude would go for spawn peaks he play this risky playstyle and on LG LG had like I want to say like a split of like aggressive and like passive players but they would still always play aggressive whereas like I feel like United now. They completely got rid of their whole like passive side of the of their team, and they're fully committing to this five absolute like insanely aggressive roster. Like I, I actually I I've only like played tens with Kenzen a couple times. He's actually he seems like he's like he's got a good head on his shoulders. He seems like I think he'd actually be pretty good. I think he's gonna be pretty good coming into pro league. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they go with a full aggressive lineup of people that can just go flying out of windows and playing so aggressive. And when I heard this like roster, I was like confused on who would play what roles. And I'm pretty sure they're like, they, I heard something that they were going to have like Alfama and Yeti on support roles. So it's like, I just have no idea how this team's going to work. If they're just going to be like very hyper aggressive and how it's going to go. But I mean, again, like this team could theoretically work. This was, this is kind of like a similar play style of how like our old rec was when we had like retro mark and skies. We tried to play this like play style of five aggressive people who would just always be in your face. So like I can see uh, a world where it works as long as you're able to call out the bad aggression from the good aggression. If it's coordinated aggression, it can work. If it's just I'm going to go for a play, you go for a play like that won't work. I um the one thing I will say is that Yeti did play support quite a lot in his early days. Um smoke on defense and I want to say thermite on attack if I if I'm remembering the WBG days well. Um and he tore it up on support. So I mean, 
we'll see. But I, they are by far and away. I mean, we we always reserve about twenty minutes of every single episode to shitting on E United. Um, <laughs> it's nice that we've finally gotten it out of the way here. I feel like it just it happens very organically. But um, I have a hot take about DG. Okay, so let's move to DG next then, and then from there we'll we'll talk about the meta changes for upcoming stage two after that, and then we'll jump into questions because we've got 40 minutes. Before before we skip that, I just want to say United, I think they have the potential. They just need to be molded in the right direction. They definitely do. I just I just disagree I disagree with the style. That's what it is. Yes. I don't right. think I don't think any of them are bad players. I've just right, always Matt. disagree with the style. Start cooking. Because <laughs> got the hot take about DG. That's uh, bring it on. Yeah. Um. So I honestly, I honestly think DG actually gets a lot worse with this roster move, just due to the simple fact that, uh, I don't necessarily. I I I just think that with Nick's on the team, he was the guy who would slap people in the back of the neck saying, "Yo, don't do this, don't do that," or. Like he made everyone on the same page. It's a lot of neck like, I don't ne- going on here, by the way. Like just a lot of. <laughs> I I think that Nix is the reason why they all kind of like played together, and the reason why they found su- some success at the beginning of the season because they were all on the all on the same page. Like, but I think now, like I I don't think they have like a true leader or someone who's going to drive them in the right direction right now. Like. Maybe Retro will, but I hear that Retro is quiet. He's not really like an IGL or like a captain figure. Um, maybe Fox can speak a little more on that because I know Fox is teamed with them. So I just don't think that they have like a leader figure anymore and that Nix was that leader figure and he was like, whether it's the right way to play the game or not, they were all on the same exact page and they were all working together in like that aspect. But I think now that they're going to miss out on that and they don't have a leader figure anymore that's going to push them in the same direction. Yeah. I will say, like, Retro, retro has the mind for it, but not the personality for it, if that makes sense. So, like, he's capable... Like, people can, like, kind of get themselves to, to speak up more and do it, and I think I think he's probably capable of it, but, like, it'll be, it'll be a work in progress for him, for sure. But he definitely has the mind for it. Like, he understands understands the game like in the bigger picture i think so i think i think when he was on our team like he definitely has the mind for it and i feel like he was never shy to communicate on what was going on he wasn't like shy to say things i think uh when he was on our team it was more or less like i guess he would get like overshadowed by the other uh personalities that were on the team like obviously with like skies me and lax like we're going to be talking a lot um, but still, like even with that going on, he would be able to communicate on what's going on. Um, I think our biggest disconnect was when Retro would want to like make a player or go for a plant or something. He, it, it was hard for him to relay over what everyone was doing to be able to kind of like coordinate an attack or like a push on a plant because of like us being, you know, the talking people that we were on our team or the, you know uh aggressive personalities i guess on the roster so like he never wanted to like step on any toes and he was like he was a, he was like a good soldier but i yeah. i feel like he has that potential to kind of do what he wants to do um he like i said i don't think he was shy um and i feel like on that roster of dg everyone on that roster besides nicks is kind of more quiet more soft-spoken they're not necessarily like going out of their way to say things nicks was always like the one you know very vocal person telling everyone what to do. 
Exactly. That's the thing. I think I think it's possible that Retro can handle it like now that there's like there's no one there's no toes to step on in that sense. Cause like he used to team with me and it was like the same thing where like 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 I said, he's always had like the mind for the game and stuff like that. But yeah, it's like when there's other voices on the team, he doesn't want to like get in the way in a sense. And I think like it was a similar it was similar on Rec. So I yeah. think that makes sense. And I think without Nix, like there's definitely the possibility. Cause like I think it might it would probably would have been the same way where he wouldn't want to say as much sometimes just because he wouldn't want to step on like Nix's toes and like make things confusing. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah. now he's on the team with like with like some younger players, some experienced players. Everyone's like straightforward and just like a lot more uh quiet. Yeah. So I feel like this is a good environment for Retro to be able to develop those like yes. high scaling and leading skills. And also I'm pretty sure he's going to be trying and splitting it with like Reed. Yeah. Um so obviously like being able to help each other. They also picked up a new analyst in Mango. So I feel like with this kind of I guess like environment that he's in, I think it it's very plausible for them to work. And I think at the end of the day, like a team like that, they just want to be able to rely on the strengths, in my opinion. And yeah. uh, I feel like they have a lot of strengths on that team. And I think it's all going to be, I think it is like, these are like the baby steps into becoming like, you know, a force in, in pro league. So I don't know. I'm excited to see how it works. I think as long as they can get their like central voice uh, figured out in their IGL, like like y'all said, if Retro like steps up and takes it, I think I think the move will will probably benefit him. I mean, I don't really know about whose game like philosophy is like better or would be better in the long term, obviously. Um, but I just know that like from experience or not from experience, I know from like other people who've played with them, they are on the like Fox said, like everyone pretty much on that team was on the quieter end. Um. So that's where I think like Nick's actually helped him in the sense that he brought them all together and they were all on the same page. But as long yeah. as like Retro and like Reed can do that, I think that the change will will be no. uh, will be good. I, I like I do see your side of it as well though. Um, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, like it's the potential is there though for like yeah Retro and Reed to step up, but you just don't really know. But I, I do think the potential is there. Like I don't want to doubt them. I can see like I can see the the both sides of things. I think on one end, Nick's brought a lot of structure to the team because I mean on our team, like I think the the biggest thing was just like clashing personalities. But he has a way the, to see the game to do it. I think on that team, it was either really good and helped the team, or it was because I mean I know Nick's. I feel like sometimes he can be a little overwhelming with like what he wants to be done and and what's going on, especially in game. So I feel like maybe because all of these guys were on the quieter end or, you know, a lot more reserved, maybe it kind of rubbed them the wrong way on how to how to work. I feel like on our team, like, you know, if he said something, at least it was like people were kind of like sometimes we we'd give him the benefit of that. We listen to him. But on that team, it's kind of like maybe they don't take it as lightly as we did. Maybe they take it like a, in a negative way because those guys are are more reserved. So I don't know. I feel like. At the end of the day, like I, I don't know. Uh, their strats a lot of the times before, like their strats worked. It didn't necessarily seem like they were doing anything on the fly besides like rushes. So I feel like they don't necessarily have that much already set in stone. And a lot of the times, like I mean, NJR was like always kind of like the saving grace for a lot of those strats. So I can't contribute anything I've seen to 
you know, was it Knicks winning them the rounds? Was it the preparation they put in winning them rounds? So like, I feel like it's still a pretty new clean slate and it doesn't hurt to try. Cause I don't think, I definitely don't think they're bad. They have the, the tools there. So I feel like, you know, with all the changes they're making, I think, it, I think they could, I think it could end up pretty good. So we'll have to see. I agree. There's a lot of potential there, I think for sure. DG, uh, well, I mean, actually, the, the team that surprised me the most this stage was the tail end of the stage was Sonics, but overall, the, the team that was most surprising to me was Disrupt, and, and I mean, I will I will come out on the record and thought, you know, and I, I saw this team and I saw the roster on paper and the different personalities and the successes they had, and I'm like, this is a hot ticket to last place stage one, you know, um, and I, I, my expectations were so low for that team, you could trip on them. You know, and then of course the season starts with probably <laughs> the worst start for them that you could humanly imagine with the whole Nick skin thing. And it's just like, oh boy. But the team, I think NJR masked a lot of deficiencies on the team, and I think he will continue to do so. He's impressed me a ton. Um, the rest of the team has really impressed me too. You know, I, I, I thought that Reed maybe was just playing really well on E United because of his circumstance, and he certainly. He certainly played for his spot in in the pro league that we have right now. But my suspicion with DG has always been that they are very slowly going to start cutting the old members of that team and picking up young talent. And I, you know, seeing Knicks go off of the squad, and I mean, we're not going to comment on who has or hasn't been picked up to replace him, but, you know, there's rumors floating around and even people in chat for crying out loud have been talking about it. Um I think that the march for DG to slowly winnow down the old roster and pick up new aspiring talent that is unproven and exciting, I think is good from a storyline perspective. And I think it's something that they're going to keep doing. And I would be a little surprised if they don't make another change or two, depending on what happens in stage two. The problem for DG, I think you guys have covered pretty effectively, is that Nix is, is a polarizing teammate everybody that's teamed with him or every single team that he's come off of somebody has spoken about this quite openly and even he acknowledged it in his twit longer which is great and i think we talked about this last week troy where it's like if, if he's if he acknowledges it that's awesome but he's gonna need to do something about it i think one of the big weaknesses that nicks had was his you know were the roles he played and he kind of threw his life away carelessly uh we saw this clear as day when dz with him on it uh made it to um made to the finals in tokenami you know i i think nix was you know just not up to where he needed to be um and i i think there have been a couple events where he just doesn't show up and it really hurts the team i think he fixed that mostly i think he mostly fixed that he was what it was statistically i think he was second best on that team after njr through stage one and i was impressed in that regard obviously we don't see what happens behind the scenes so we don't know if there's greater deficiencies involving his leadership but the bigger the bigger question mark for me is not only did they just lose their their strong voice and that person who has been the focal point for leadership, but I think most of the teams in North America have improved. I think that this is probably going to be an improvement for Tempo Storm. E United is a question mark, but you can't jump out of a basement window. So they're probably going to get better with these changes. You know, I, I definitely think that the top three. Right now, top four, if we include OXG, because I, I will say I have some questions about you, Fox, but you seem to know what's what's going on with this team. I don't think any of you have taken a major step back, and it looks like the Sonics have taken a huge leap forward. 
So even if this roster move does help DG, it might not look like it because every other team has also improved. And I think that's going to be the hardest part for us to figure out. And I think it's really going to fall on all three of you because you're going to be scrimming them. You're going to be able to say, yes, they are harder to play against. Yes, they are better than they were for X, Y, and, and you know, Z reasons. For me as a caster, it's going to be harder for me to determine because I can pick up on certain things, but I'm not in the game. I'm not in the server. I'm not in scrims with them. I think, uh, I think a lot of the changes that have happened this season have been like a positive impact, like you said. Like every team, I feel like upgraded. Yeah, even E United, I generally think if you just look on play a paper, paper like player statistics, like Forrest to Rexon, call out to to Kansan. Like I think like just like better players have like moved in. It's all about like the teamwork and the play style. And sometimes better players doesn't necessarily mean better team. Yeah. And you're right on the on. I feel like a lot of these younger teams are picking up younger players, but at the end of the day, it's like. Who else are you going to pick up, right? Like, uh, obviously, experience is a big thing, but you not don't necessarily want to keep up, uh, keep picking up the same like recycled pro league players that obviously aren't working on different renditions of rosters. So I feel like that that OB squad of like iconic NJR, like all those guys, like I feel like because iconic NJR have done such an a, incredible performance in pro league that a lot of people are thinking that like these guys are like insane obviously like people are going to want to pick up like in the same pool of people that they were playing with and training with because these guys you know they have the hunger they've been they've been had it like you know waiting till they were 18 to be able to play and there's all there's a couple other players you know they had what's it called Asonics performed with lags and j9 and those guys still like perform really well on a pro league level you know uh, a lot of people didn't even expect kansan to be picked up these younger players have the potential they just need to be molded in the right environment. And I think that's the biggest thing. I think Sonics is a great environment for Iconic to be molded. I think DG is like a, a, a like I said, an open, clean slate for NGR to be able to do what he wants. If you pick up more of these younger players and put them in, they'll be able to perform very well. I think the reason why you don't see a lot of these younger players coming into teams like TSM, SSG, DZ, like our team is just because those teams, I feel like demand a lot of a lot from a player not only in game but like mentally i feel like every player has to be able to think for themselves and perform on their own and be able to adapt on the fly if you look at a team like ssg i mean i don't know how much is strats or how much is troy calling but like if you're not mentally ready to be a pro league player like and like troy's telling you to fucking fly in on the bag or switch like on on a beat be able to switch stuff that something that's practiced like it's hard for a lot of newer players to be able to do that and be successful with it so I'm just uh, excited to see how yeah. like the younger players keep evolving on these teams and like shit. I wouldn't be surprised if you see some of these players end up making their team, you know, a top top two team or being able to move on to like better environments, better teams. All they gotta like do to is beat SSG. That. That's the secret weapon, right? They beat SSG and then they just become good because Troy motivates it, them so much. Yeah, all it all it takes. I is was saying, come on. <laughs> I was saying DZ got their confidence back, man. All I'm saying is I was definitely in their head before. I would like to say that like like us, like on TSM, like we we did, we picked up two, like we picked up Merck and Bo like what, a year ago, a little over a year ago. And we yeah. were in pretty much like last place of Pro League before then. And I even know like SSG, they picked up Foltz like at this, literally the same time, like not too long ago too. And they were like, I think like sixth or fifth pretty much every season before that. So the young gunner is definitely like 
like uh, are going to play like a big factor in these upcoming like years. I definitely think um, iconic and them like on the OB team, like they scrimmed every day when they were underage for, for like a year, two years. Like I remember even iconic coming in my stream, like two months before he was turning 18, before he was on science and everything came my stream. He's like, yo, I'm going to be in pro league, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, bro, listen, don't want to like burst your bubble or anything, big dog. But I would advise you not to, you know, go in and think that like, keep continuing to work hard, prove yourself and your, your opportunity will come, but don't feel like, like uh, Parker was saying earlier, entitled to being in pro league. Cause you think you're significantly better than other people. And like, he proved me wrong. And I, I think Iconic's a really good player. And I think NJR, like, I think they're both really good players. And I mean, they proved us wrong. So or proved me wrong. Iconic did. So I don't know. I like it. Uh, so let's very quickly go through this because we've got about 20 minutes left, give or take. Uh, and we have some good questions from the audience. So just we'll, we'll finish quickly with predictions. We don't need to go one through eight, but do you have any hot takes? What do you think? Do you think the top four are going to be the same? Do you think the bottom four are going to be the same? And if you think there's going to be any difference, if there's anything worth mentioning, mention it. We'll start with you, Matt. Uh, I'm, I'm honestly more curious to see it with how DZ is going to play in this upcoming stage. And I think that's what a lot of people are curious, whether they're going to be able to hold what they were doing in the major and see if it's something that they can like replicate, especially in the next stage of the NAL. I think that's what I'm most curious about. But I think pretty much the top four will pretty much I think they're I think the top four pretty much stay the same. Although I do honestly think that the Sonics could butt in with anywhere in there. Depends. Like I do think the Sonics are I do think they're a good team. Um below that I do think the three teams below that will stay in the same ballpark just due to the simple fact of they're gonna need time to get accustomed to their new players and uh maybe if they like change how they want to play the game but i definitely think they're gonna maybe like they'll start really blossoming like the second uh the second half of stage two but i think at the beginning like they're gonna have to work out their kinks and get used to playing with each other and like game days and stuff so yeah i think i think i think the the one unfortunate thing about all this is that i feel like there's a lot of people who uh are saying that like this fourth place spot is like a battle for like us or Sonics, which like is unfortunate because we won't see them unless they, unless like I I don't know like what the brackets are specifically, but I don't think we play them uh, like in the groups of it. So necessarily we would be playing them in the upper bracket of anything for like the top four. So it's like either way, if we end up playing Sonics, then we would both be in the top four. So. I think like there's just going to be I think the top 4 top 5 even is all based off of you know how are we going to be able to adapt to this season and uh that's just how like the bracket is set up is like you know top 2 from each bracket go up and then that's how top 4 is so um personally I don't necessarily think there can be really any predictions made because like you know if DZ beats ssg but ssg beats tsm but tsm beats oxg but oxg beats dz like if it's just like a giant rock paper scissors fight you can't tell who's the best because we don't all necessarily play each other um yeah but i think personally i thought was very impressed with how tsm played in the in the major and i think there's a lot to come from that ssg you know troy saying that they're being motivated again so you got to keep an eye out for them dz beat the wrong motherfuckers DZ obviously won the major, you know, 
they're the, the major favorites. They're next year's major favorites. So like, I'm excited to see them play. Um, I think Sonics has a lot of potential. Uh, I think they, I literally, I really just want to see Sonics and DG play a lot more against these top teams because they look like they can compete, if not surpass some of these top teams with the, you know, the right amount of like, like play and mess around. So yeah, I mean, I'd like to say the, the top five to top six will be very interesting to watch in this upcoming split. And uh, obviously, I mean, I don't necessarily know too much about how Tempo and United will do just based off of, you know, haven't really scrimmed versus them with their new rosters, don't know how that they're going to play out or perform in Pro League, so. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, Tempo, United, 7-8. I don't know which yet. I don't know which order yet. I think uh, DG 6th. And then I think fifth through second is like can be. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I was. I I, no, 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 no. That's actually not where I was going. But, but I, I'm glad you guys got that. Um, I, I think for like first, I think it's got to be either us TSM or DZ. Sorry, sorry, not sorry. Um, and then I think I think, but sorry, I think not. any of those top five can be anywhere else between second through fifth. I, I don't mind people saying that or like people saying that like, so, like I, I've seen a lot of people say like, oh, like, oh, she's ass, like Sonics and DJ are better than them or something. It's like, I, I mean, I understand that. Like we obviously didn't put up a lot to show in our performance, but like, like we know, uh, I don't know. I just, I don't, I, I, I personally know what our issues are and I know that we're changing them to benefit like, in the positive way. So the start, the OXG at the start of the split that was able to beat and like get into the top four, I think yeah. that's the OXG that we're trying to recreate and like keep it going. And we completely changed from that. And that was like our own fuck up. So we messed up. So I think, I think without a go, without a doubt, you guys are one of the best teams in NA. Like I'm not questioning that. My thing is, and I'm saying this as like a serial second place finisher, is that number one takes something special. And I think TSM, DZ, and SSG are the only teams that have that something special right now. Mm. That's that's my take. But that's fine. Like I said, yeah. like I said, we have not we have not shown anything that would yeah. be like, oh yeah, oh she's gonna be number one. Like yeah. at all. So it's just for uh, up to us to be able to uh, put into play what we've been working on, and then just go from there. Mine, uh, the only hot like take it. that I have for me. I'm not saying who, but I think the Sonics are going to finish in the top four. I think they probably. Yeah, I think that that's I my think, take. I think the the biggest reason why I think they'll end up finishing in the top four is just because I feel like they have like like they got that fire to prove it. You know, yeah. they haven't played with their like, full like lineup, a, and when like they did, they looked pretty damn good. So yeah, they're good enough to be in the top four, and then they have that fire that like, they really want to show us that they're in the top four. You know, yeah. yeah. And I think uh, just for that reason alone, like one of the others is going to get sent to fifth. As much as I troll iconic, like that guy's like a huge like performer for his team. Like I love messing with him, but like he he he's a great player, and I feel like he's the fifth that like really makes their team. Obviously, I feel like everyone on that roster is like really good. But I, I do think I also think that they're going to be in top four. When I say that, a lot of people think that like I'm saying that we're going to be fifth. 
but I think they'll be top four and I think we'll be top four. And I think one of the top three teams is going to have the That's worst. That's very possible. I think one of the top three teams is going to have the worst season they've ever had. And they're going to end up like sixth or like seventh or something. I don't know. It's very possible. That's a hot take. That's quite a fall. I think, I think I can smell which team you're talking about. Uh, I just think it's a, that's how like I mean I'm I'm saying that I'm not saying that like I have a team in mind or anything I'm just saying like I don't know I don't know I just I'm very confident that we're fixing what needs to be fixed and I feel like every time we've lost to a top team we're not like we don't look at it as like oh we got absolutely outclassed we like we see the mistakes that we've made on how to be better especially myself like I feel like I'm like very observant on what we do wrong so once we fix it i think we'll be good and i think sonics really wants it so like i said i don't know how the brackets end up being lined up but i feel like the brackets and how it's played will end up screwing one of the top teams because there's going to be if there's five great teams there's going to be a bracket with three of them in it and only two people can move on so that's just how i think it is i think that's how it's going to go all right last topic before we go to questions Troy, you wanted to talk about pro tens. That is not oh, my domain. We we no we we well okay. I guess we could touch on it. I, w- I was just thinking of a topic to add, but yeah, like I mean, I guess what are your guys' takes on it? You guys play it more than me. Fucking Fox is the king of ten mans. Ah, that's his fucking domain. What's it called? I mean, I know when I know when we had like the Face It League like a while ago uh, that Kick started doing. Like I personally thought it was great. I thought it was like an environment for PL CL players to play. Obviously, back then, there wasn't as many structured PL, let alone CL teams. I feel like now, obviously, the game is getting to a point where I feel like every player, uh, a lot of the players in Pro League are pretty decent, pretty good. I think CL, there's some players in CL that are definitely like you want to keep your eye on. Um, and I feel like with FPL coming out, like obviously, it's a way better environment. Um, you know, you can stream easier. You don't got to run a delay. No cheaters. Uh, unless like you're playing against like hyper or something um obviously like there's going to be money involved for like the top players that are winning there's like incentive to play uh and then it's obviously going to be better than rank because you're not playing against fucking like lego builder guy 28 who's like shooting you through walls or just doing anything crazy of course yes there's going to be the more ridiculous players i know if i'm playing for money i'm bleeding through that to like to be able to win and so, like, I know some other players will be going crazy. Like, if you got to jump out with no intel one of these times, like, you're going to jump out with no intel. So, I mean, like, I don't know. Personally, I think it's a great thing to be coming. I think the 10s right now are obviously way better than ranked. Um, and personally, I know a lot of players in Pro League don't like playing it because it's not as structured as comp. It's not as um, team-oriented. But it's still better than ranked. And at the end of the day, like all these younger players or newer players in CL, they won't learn or be able to adapt unless they get picked up to a pro league team or they're able to play with pro league players in 10s. And I hate to say this, but a lot of players that play in these 10s aren't the best players at the game. Or a lot of players in pro league aren't the best players at this game. They're like good pro league players, but like based off of aim wise, like there's just mechanical skilled, like absolute like gods that are playing in 10 some fucking phenoms out there bro (laughs) so it's like you know you're never going to get better or be able to improve if you never look at yourself as having any prove and i feel like these 10s are a great environment to one improve like your quick thinking and to be able to improve your aim and as these 
guys that are in tens in CL, you know, who knows, maybe you're going to see fucking Kilo in, in pro league one day jumping out with no Intel. So it's like, you got to be able to prepare for that. And if it's not Kilo doing that in 10 mans, maybe, you know, hyper, maybe me, maybe some other pro league player will jump out on you in a pro match. And what are you going to do then? You can't say, Oh, he won't do that. He wouldn't do that in a match. You can't, give any excuse because well, people do some ridiculous shit sometimes and it works in a match thinking nate's gonna be watching my motherfucking window tell yeah. you that maybe no info he's jumping out with no info i love tens personally i mean i've always been like a grinder of the game like if you even if you look at like my clearance level like i have a clearance level a lot higher than a lot of pros probably like 90 95 percent of the pros so like i i don't know i always play the game like a ridiculous amount because that's just who i am i feel like lazy if i'm not um but like i don't know so i love the tens i think they're good um i think it's good to like showcase some talent there for sure um might want to like maybe take them with a little grain of salt i guess but like um because people do like do like ridiculous plays but as, as far as i know even in scrims and even in official matches people do those ridiculous plays constantly too so like I don't know. Like you can't really use as like that as an excuse, but they're definitely not as coordinated. Um, they're not as like they're not as strat heavy as PL. But I definitely think it's good just to play to shoot other people. And the best thing about them is you don't have to worry about cheaters, and you're playing against better yeah. players. So in theory, it's going to make you better if you're playing against better players. So. You gotta, yeah. You have to take it as like purely as mechanical, like yeah, training. Like you can't see it as anything else. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not gonna. I'm not going to be going into 10 minutes, like learning some strategy shit. Very rarely. Maybe, like, yeah. maybe yeah. one time, maybe one time someone pulls out like, a I've actually learned before. a thing or two here and there about like strategy, but like, like it wasn't even like, it wasn't, it was like, like it was like something thing. about ACE. Yeah. It was something about like ACE. Something I've just never seen anyone using ranked or anything before. And I learned yeah. something. I was like, Oh, okay. That's, you know, that's pretty cool. But like, yeah. that's the only thing I've learned. And I've played it the last like five or six nights for four or five hours a night. So like, I mean, yeah. But yeah. I mean, I think just like I, I've always been a strong believer of this and I've said it a lot. It's just for North America's scene to grow. Everyone talks about fucking T2, T3, North America just being a joke. Like if you look at Europe, like it's a lot more structured. The only way for Challenger League players to be considered as actual competitive players is for like the pros and for other people to start taking Challenger League seriously. So like. I mean, I've said it before that maybe they need to make like a, a, a league below Challenger League where it's called like Dirt League or something. And then people start memeing that so that Challenger League is actually considered seriously. But if you look at games like CS or League, like there's always the league below and there's like a couple leagues below that to be able to grow the scene. And like being a semi pro at a game shouldn't be like considered as a joke. Obviously, there's Whoa. a huge disconnect between pro and the semi pro league. But I definitely think like those players need to be taken seriously or at least, at least given a little more credit. I feel like part credit. of the problem is that they don't take themselves seriously. That's true. That's they, true. They, I feel like like I don't know. I, I've always like I'll always give CL teams respect, like until they do something to indicate otherwise, I suppose. Like I, there's plenty of CL teams out there I respect, but like it's uh in a lot of the instances it's like there's just a few bad apples out there that don't take it seriously and don't take themselves seriously and it makes it look bad because of it. I I say for 10 mans, I watch 10 mans and I watch the streams and this is I, I watched a lot of your 10 mans actually way way back in the day, Troy. 
when I had like a an actual involvement with R6TMs. And I think that for the casual viewer, and even me as a caster, it's for me, it's like I, I feel like my game knowledge can always improve. But the one thing that amazed me the most was the comms and the thought process. You know, I would watch 10 mans, and when I hear certain players talking about strats on the fly or where to rotate to or how to play off of certain info and, and etc. I, I think it's fascinating. And I think the average viewer learns a ton about the strategic aspect of the game far more than any stream involving ranked would. You know? I agree, but I feel like it's it's it devolves. Yeah, that's, I mean it's not perfect. That's the issue of that. But that that's the thing. Like if I if I were to play it, like normally I'm initially like that. I mean, I'm not like that anymore because I've I've gone into it now, like I said earlier, like Chapper broke you? Just with well, no. Fox did to be honest, but with the oh, mentality Chapper, you're the of, fucking best. With the mentality that it's just like it's mechanical training, right? <laughs> um so I think i like if i played now honestly like i'd i'd be i i even said this to my team like if i played now i'd probably throw music on bro like and just it's bad it's people. not the spirit you'd get kicked out of the r6 tms when i was running before the amount of pros uh, that would dm me being like not, not what the shit i've been seeing bro like i was watch, i watched i watched a cafe round last night where like it was kitchen defense and the final kill cam was a mav throwing a nade through a mav hole the wall wasn't even open and the the, the final kill cam was a nade through the mav hole like how yeah, does that happen? Was that was you, but like still, like you're gonna call him that, not even say I mean, his it, name on the it, podcast. It got, it, I was the guy who got naded. No, no, like I oh. didn't, I didn't know who. It, yeah, I didn't yeah. know who it was that got naded. Jolt through the to nade. To be fair, though, to be fair with you, that round we had two players on our team disconnect because the TTS, oh, okay. so we were okay. kind of just playing a group. Okay, everyone Never else on the team was just yeah, they were just going okay. for. Kills, I didn't, I didn't catch that. That makes more sense. Unbelievable. But I've seen some shit. I think yeah. like, I mean he jumped just, out with no info, dude. Come on, I but can't like play with this I, guy. again, I'm I don't like I, I'm not saying there's a problem with it. like I'm not saying like what are these guys doing in ten man's like they're a bunch of idiots like I like trust me like like when Fox like jumps out and kills my whole fucking team I'm not like what the fuck is this moron doing like no because honestly like it was the right play because he's gonna fucking catch our dumbasses and win <laughs> right but you just. Yeah, you you have to accept the fact that that's how it is. What were yeah. you gonna say, Fox? I was gonna say that I think I've heard a lot of pros talk about tens, and like it's always the same thing. It's like, oh, whenever all pro league players are playing, it's riveting gameplay. Like everyone's communicating, everyone's playing smart. Like there's not that many like aggressive plays, and it's good. And like uh, I'm trying to stray. I'm trying to like practice myself on not saying like jump outs or aggressive plays as like dumb plays because like anybody could have any type of intel and can make a play off of it i'm trying to one like do it for myself so that i can like get better and not like saying like people like are being stupid but uh, i've noticed like a lot of like even just structured play like i played a game yesterday and i had like three kind of like cl players on my team and it was almost like you know we get the picks we go for a plant but then it's like our post plants are bad our you know our execution doesn't work out we're not using utility we're looking at the wrong thing we're not communicating and it's I feel like those are learning experiences for the the T2 players that are playing to be able to improve. And the thing is, is I feel like, yes, there's a way that you can say it for these people to get better. But I feel like at the end of the day, like when I was playing like baseball or playing sports, like my coach wasn't like, all right, like you got to do it differently. Like my coach would get on my ass and roast my shit for doing the wrong thing. 
So obviously, like when you have these pro players telling you how to like behave and get better, I think it's up to the T2 players, CL players to be able to take the criticism and adapt from that in these 10 so that they can get better in pro league. And I don't know. I mean, I think that's a good learning experience for everybody. Obviously, it's going to be frustrating for pro league players who play on pro league teams that have this level of teamwork. But I mean, when you look at games like CS, like people have scrims. And then when they play FPL or 10 mans, like they're not playing it to run strats. They're just calling something and they're just going with the flow. And like most of them just play it to shoot, shoot to shoot. And like that's just what I don't know. I think people need to take 10 mans and FPL in Rainbow less seriously than scrims. But obviously it's going to be better than rank. So I mean, I don't know. I think everyone just needs to kind of relax and just have try to have a good time with it and treat it as best as possible. There you go. And well said. And it's fun to watch, so watch 10 mans. For people who don't know what 10 mans are, or pro 10s, by the way, I've seen a couple people ask in chat. It's basically like it's a it's a closed league that is only available for like the top players in professional Rainbow Six to play, and then they get into uh they get into custom lobbies and then they play. And it's much more structured. It's better than ranked, that's for sure. Now, with that said, I know you need to go relatively soon, but let's ask a couple questions. So we're very aware that Fox A and, and Troy both have scrims in about half an hour. So, um, mine's later, actually. No, mine's later. I'm good. I have scrims in a half an hour, and then I have scrims versus Troy. There, later. yeah. So, let's just ask a couple questions. Let's keep these relatively short. I'll start off. Real PKers says, When you get on a new team, what's the most important slash first thing you do? And we'll start with Achieved. Just quick answers from Achieved and Fox. Uh, call outs and then just trying to like. I, I say I'd say callouts and literally watching some of their vods and see how they play and how they react to situations. I would say uh, make a friendship and uh, completely dictate the team. Oh wait a second, I was talking about United. Um, I mean, uh, probably just like the communication and like the chief said, and just being able to show that you're versatile and able to adapt to certain teams. Try your Next question. One. Next question. Uh, <laughs> Shit, bro. Dude, I'm so bad at this. I never have them lined up. All right, I can ask the next one. It's literally the one right underneath it. It's from FC. This question, there's one question for each of you. They're different. Achieved. What is the reasoning behind Pojo swapping with Chala, and how do you personally feel about the change? Uh, I think that the change helps us a lot. Uh, I know if Troy has spoke on a podcast before our season. No idea what podcast. I will. I will say real, real quick. I want to add though. You got like genuinely. You guys did prove it wrong. Like, yeah. Well, that that was my initial take on it. But yeah. Yeah. No. Um. Uh. I don't know. I think it's helped us just mainly in the fact of we have looked around for a solid coach that we that that we think is really good for a very long time. A very long time because. I still think there's a lot of check stealing coaches out there. I'm just going to be honest, it, especially in pro league. There, there's still a lot of them out there. Um, but uh, we have also gone with people. We've gone with people like Bagel, who like not a lot of people knew who Bagel was. You know, we had faith in him. Um, he was a coach for an EUCL team. Uh, we even went with him. We even looked at a lot of other people, and there just wasn't really anyone that we could find. And Pojo. Because when we first picked Pojo up on this team, he was originally picked up for the coach role. Uh, obviously, we put him in because we thought he was ju uh, just as good as a player. Uh, but Pojo actually came to us and was like, you know, we're having a very hard time finding a coach. Like, I think it would be easier to swap me to coach. 
and let me let me coach y'all and y'all find someone who can play the roles that I played. And when we picked up Chala, we had Chala on our hard breach. Um, we've actually had a lot of changes this season uh, than I think most teams have had. And I think that like we've played very well, all things considered. Like we've experimented with um, role changes. Like uh, like we've even tried me on the flex role, like in, in having other people on soft breach, but obviously it didn't work out. Um, but uh, like Gio's on, uh, Gio's like the secondary caller now. Um, I've been the primary caller. But at the beginning of the season, our first like two games, Gio was the primary caller. But I've been the primary caller recently, and Chaw has been on like the flank watch flex role, and Gio's on the hard support. Um, but basically, like it was just hard for us to find like a coach that we thought was really good and that would actually help us and take us to the next level. And we already had experience with Pojo there. So we knew that it'd be uh, like he'd be able to do it fine. The question for Fox A was, what goes into you in Laxing's Rome game and how do you split the presence so effectively? Uh, I don't know, because the last couple of games we were taken off of Rome. So I'll let you know. Next split. <laughs> Damn. Um, all right. Awesome. I will say that before, like a lot of a lot of me and Lex on the room is, uh, I guess, the amount of time we spent together. It's almost like we don't necessarily have to communicate. We just like know what we're doing, and we kind of like float, I guess, around. And uh, just as a roamer in general, it's not about getting the kill. It's just about wasting the time. So, um, I was gonna. I guess this kind of could apply to both of you since you both kind of done. I've done it as well, but. Uh, it was for achieved. How does he? Ha- how do you handle being more of a fragment role with being the IGL? Um, I mean, I don't know. I've looked at other teams. Like you could look at like G two in their prime. Like uh, I, uh, the Fa- Fabian who like mainly caught on there. He wasn't necessarily like a, he put. He did play soft breach quite a bit, but he also played a lot of flex. Um, so I kind of like looked at him and like how like how like he used to kind of treat it. But uh, I don't know. I think it's. It's fine because, um, like, I call the pre-round, obviously, and I even call – I call, like, a lot of the adaptations. Even before I was IGL, uh, back when we had Pojo on IGL, I still then called a lot of adaptations. So I've always kind of been, like, the secondary caller on pretty much every team that I've been on. Um, so it's not something that, like, super new to me. But, uh, like, Geo calls the plant and everything, like, when obviously when he can go for it and everything like that. But um, I'd say, like – Overall, we have a lot of vocal people on my team. Uh, Bolo is very vocal. Gio is vocal. Um, Merck and Chala are also pretty vocal. So they re- they like relay a lot of information, and I'm able to like call stuff off of that. So I don't really have a problem with information. Like people are pretty much relaying everything. And um, I don't know. I kind of like it on the soft breach because I can call like what holes are made, where people can be, what they need to watch out for, when we can start going for plants and stuff. So I like it, but. Um, it's just yeah. kind of like different than everyone else uses on it. So yeah, like I liked it a lot when I was on EG. Like I liked that yeah. part of calling because we even tried me on hard breach then. But I don't That's know. It. I think it, I think it's dependent on the style of the team. Anyways, go ahead. Fox. Yeah. I, I would agree. I would say like as an entry, like one, if you like get a trade, get traded first or whatever, you're able to IGL better from being dead. So you can see like almost everything. So I mean, if you're the first one dying, then that makes sense. Um, but I think it's difficult to do when you're entering and you're successfully entering, you're getting in these positions. Like it's hard when you have to go for a play and worry about all the possible angles that you're entering into. Uh, 
and also coordinate your team from the back. Uh, but I think it's easier to be able to make plays off of what you're doing because you're able to essentially build a take around you and be able to execute it, call one to go. I think like a good dynamic on a team is if you're hard breach, the planter is able to have a like a good IGL split and it's split between your entry because you guys are able to both communicate from different lines. So if one's occupied, like if one's trying to get a wall and communicating to that, you have your entry being able to communicate. If your entry is going in for a play or taking a position, you have your back line hard breach support being able to communicate and call from the back. So I think like that's a good way to split. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't necessarily like recommend having your IGL as your also primary entry because sometimes it just gets too hectic for you to be able to call and entry. Yeah. Now I will say that that's one thing ever since I've kind of took the IGL role, um, I've actually been less on the entry. I was never really the main entry. It's always been like Merc. But ever since then, we've kind of even shifted Bo to the secondary like entry role. And um, I'm kind of just like, I'm, I'm helping drone in and stuff like that. And I'm calling stuff. Um, but yeah, I definitely say like being entry on main, uh, being like the IGL on the main entry is definitely tough because like usually entries are known for being a little more quieter than usual because they're focusing on like gunfights and stuff like that, which is kind of understandable. But uh, yeah. Okay, next question. This is a good one. Um, this one comes from Keg. He says, Fox and Achieved, you are both very young esports players. Do either of you see yourselves continuing in the esports industry as you get older? Are there any pressures on you to go back to a normal life once this is all over? Uh, I mean, if I didn't go into if I didn't go into playing Rainbow, I would have literally tried to be pursuing like acting and like or modeling. So I mean modeling. Like, I wouldn't necessarily like assume that I would go back to a normal life. Um, so I like to do esports as long as possible. I've, I'm only 20 now, so I feel like I could, you know, if I keep performing and playing well, I feel like I got like a good another maybe like five years of Rainbow, assuming everything goes well. Um, obviously, after that, uh, I would like to, yeah, you know, both me and Achieve are like trying to build our own brands. I think everyone in this in this call is like building our own brands, you know, trying to do content as much as possible, trying to create something that is able to uh, carry us. Um, you know, maybe I, I know a lot of people based off of my like VOD review, a lot of people have wanted to me to go into maybe like analysting full time or maybe like casting. So, you know, maybe Parker, maybe you have another, another partner some way down the future, but I don't know. I think there's a lot of possibilities, you know, maybe you could be a model. I, I I really would like always like wanted to be able to I guess like work in like clothing or clothing creation for like some type of an org and then maybe be able to do some type of um I don't know modeling for that. I see Seth in chat saying him and him and I will be like the casting duo in five years. I, I think that would be I think that would be a pretty entertaining broadcast. At that so. point, Super will be sixty three years old. So <laughs> I think there's a lot of possibilities, especially now with how esports is just growing and getting bigger, especially Rainbow. So, you know, yeah. I think there's a lot of options out there. Oh, I also, also, uh, 100% creating a, a charity for mental illness in the near future. Uh, so that's something that I'm going to be trying to do. Damn, good for you. I really um, hope that Seth gets to cast Latam winning before Parker. That's all I wanted to say. I definitely plan on like playing professionally as long as I can. Uh, 
I mean, you've seen it with other people in like other esports. You know, you're able to play easily for quite a bit. Um, but I think a lot of people like stop playing because as you get older, it's not like your reaction time is going down. I think more so people uh, get their priorities. You know, they have a wife, maybe they have a kid or here. They can't put as much time in as well as the young gunners. Um, but I definitely plan on like playing professionally as long as I can, no matter what. That's my main goal. And then that's also why I like I stream a lot um, because whenever all this is done, uh, I would like to be like a streamer or some stuff. But whenever I was in CL, I was going to school for like computer science and I was working a job too, all at the same time of NCL. Um, ever since then, I've kind of stopped and I'm just focusing on my play and then like my content creation because later on down the line, I'd like to be like a streamer, YouTuber, stuff like that. So. Troy, I want to give you the last question because we have to sign off and I don't want to hold Foxy. Dude, Foxy has to go eat and we know what they feed him. So, <laughs> you're all what good. We, feeding you guys. we got like, what, 20 more minutes? Well, I was trying to cut it so that you could eat or go get water or pee or whatever you wanted. Um, we can ask a couple more questions one. then. There you go. Fine. Fox says it's okay. Mm, I guess I'll do this one. Uh, as long as you wrap before 225, we're good. Got he it. asks, who do you think are the top five in each region? And or who do you think are the top 10 in the world? Are you one of those teams? Why? And then what makes your team stand out? And uh, what can what can make your team better? Top five in each region? Sheesh. I know our top five is obviously like Easy, TSM, SSG, OXG, Sonics. Top five in the other region? Uh, I know like APAC is like Fnatic, Wildcard, like C9, Noah Rengo, I think. Uh, oh, uh, what Giants? Giants is good too. Uh, Latin America obviously is like Phase, Nip, Liquid. I think Team One is, is doing pretty good down uh, over there. Um, I don't know who the fifth would be. Uh, Europe, I think, like G2, BDS right now. I think VP is pretty good. Rogue. Um, a fifth over there. I, I don't know. I think the I think there's a lot of good fours everywhere. I think NA is probably one of the only regions that has like five or six teams. Maybe that's just because I paid more attention to NA than any. Yeah. Um. I mean, I don't really know about too much about other regions. I I mean, I haven't got a chance to watch the APAC major or even the Brazilian major because the BR major is before we played, so we were obviously prepping a lot. I have caught some of the like e uh, the EU major, so. I mean, definitely have like G2, Rogue, BDS, you know. Um, I don't know. I think that kind of shook things up too. I don't know. It's kind of hard. I definitely feel like NA, like Fox said, has quite a few teams. Like they have a lot more, like we have like five, like really strong teams and other regions, you know, I think have like three, four. Um, but in terms of like standings in the world, I honestly think that the top five teams in NA would be like probably like top at least like 10 in the world, maybe even eight to be fair with you. Um, Cause I, I don't know. That's just my personal opinion on it. I think that NA is really good. Not only does NA have the structure, I think NA also has the aim and the talent to beat a lot of other regions too. So, um, so this is a good one. And this actually ties into what Fox had just said. This is from Madman it says, how has the impact of the world affected you mentally and physically? That's a good question. Uh, I'd say, especially being inside a lot more, um, 
I think one, uh, I, I mean, it gives a lot more free time to be able to take up hobbies. Obviously, like we all game for a majority of the day, but the thing is, is with all this time and not being able to go out, at least you get, at least a lot of people know from like our point of view, like we used to go out to like eat or go out to like, just like be outside. Um, like a lot of people make jokes that we go out shopping all the time. Um, who makes so, those jokes? Uh, we do. Um, I've never made that joke. Of course not. Um, but it's just like being able to stay active and stay healthy. Uh, we've been going to, at least me personally, I've been going to the gym a lot more. Uh, I've been like learning how to cook a lot more. Um, so I don't know. I just think that there's a lot more free time to be able to do what uh, I wouldn't say what you normally do, but you just try to stay active and get hobbies and, you know, talk to people as much as you can. I feel like human interaction in person is something that a lot of people take for granted. And like, I know there's a lot of like uh, introverts that don't like going outside in general, but I think just being able to talk to someone, even if it's like a family member, anybody in the house is definitely good for just your mental health to stay, you know, active and stay uh, social, I guess, to who you can be. Achieved? Uh, I mean, hasn't really affected like my lifestyle much, I guess, because you know, we're kind of all like gamers, I guess. Um, I play the game a lot, so I've, I've never been the guy to like go out and like party or do a lot of like other things. Um, but I mean, I guess having the, having the freedom though, I think is where like it hurts like me or like most people of just being able to have the freedom to go out and like, you know, eat with your buddies or go spend time with the family or go to like the beach or amusement park. I mean, all that kind of like, um i guess the freedom isn't there to do that anymore so like even though i even though i didn't do it a lot before i just don't have the freedom so like if i wanted to do it like nowadays i can't but i think with everything else going on it's definitely had like a pretty big impact so yeah you have a question mr troy uh yeah both players, how do your friends and family back home feel about your career in esports? And can you continue on from that? What are your friends back home from high school slash college doing while you're both top level players? Uh, all, all my friends are having wives and kids, and I'm sitting here playing Rainbow for 12 hours a day. Uh, so how? I, like I'm about to turn 23. Uh, so. I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm getting up there. I'm I mean I'm I'm getting up there. So uh, holy shit. Yeah, I'm I'm turning 23. I ain't I ain't young. <laughs> but uh, I mean I don't know. I mean every I I think everyone goes goes through it. Like um, I mean some people don't, but obviously like a lot of people when you're first starting out like aren't very supportive. But like obviously like nowadays like I know like my like my family now is very proud, and so are my friends. They like brag about me all the time. But like. Uh, I mean, so they're all really supportive, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd say uh, I actually don't necessarily speak to a lot of my like friends back home besides like a couple of them and all of them like are either in like college or uh, working like full time. And it's just like, it's like a different dynamic, I guess. Cause when I go back, like, you know, we scrim at, at least on the East coast, when I go back home, we scrim at night. Um, so like either late at night or like during the day, I'm always trying to hang out with them or, or do something whenever I visit home. And they're like, all like, oh, like we have like normal lives. Like we're either in school or at work. 
So it's like weird and like difficult to maintain friendships with like people who aren't in the esports scene. Um, but I mean, a lot of them like will like brag about me or like talk about how like supportive they are for me or to me. Um, and obviously, like my family is very supportive uh, of it. Uh, my sister is actually like just starting to like get into gaming, so like she has like a couple friends who like she like brags about me too, or like always tells them that like what I do, and like I get like all these people like always trying to meet me or like get to know me, and it's like it's cute. Um, so I'm trying to teach her how to, like show her the ropes of things, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think my family right now is like obviously my family back at home, but like the people I team with and like the friends I've made through esports. E so I don't necessarily think that, um, I don't think I have that many like connections back at home that I necessarily have to worry about. So. All right. Um, let's do a question each for the remainder. Um, also mm -hmm. break semi breaking news, um, tweeted very recently. Alex Remy announcing that he is done working at Ubisoft entirely. He was the uh, former lead developer slash head slash brand director. Uh, hard pressed to find somebody who you can credit most of this game's success for. There are a few people that I have ever worked with in any industry ever that I have more respect for than Alex Remy. For those people that... Uh, interacted with him they can probably say the same he stepped off of rainbow six quite a while ago i want to say last year um like around summer of last year it might actually be a year anyway he's done working at ubisoft he announced which is a bummer but i know no matter where that man goes everything's gonna be he's gonna do a great job um here's a uh here's a question that i've seen asked a couple times about orgs and i'm gonna kind of twist this question because it's one i wanted to answer uh you were with Accelerate, which is a smaller org achieved. Now you're with one of the biggest orgs in the world with TSM. Fox, you went from being with a smattering of small orgs to one of the biggest orgs in the world in Cloud9. Now back to a smaller org in what was reckoned now with Oxygen. What do you find for both of you the differences are? Do you have more day-to-day -day responsibilities? Is there more of a pressure to succeed with these, etc.? Um, you can go ahead, Fox. I'd say... I feel like a lot of the, the the smaller works that I've been with, they're actually very kind and loving, and they they try to work with us as much as possible. Like I said, Beast Coast, even though we like just signed with a, a contract with them, they were generous enough to pass over to Cloud Nine. Um, Rec was very generous, uh, you know, always tried to work with us on contracts, anything needed. Uh, and OXG now has been pretty understanding and and nice to work with, you know, uh, just starting out to get things with them it's not we don't necessarily have to worry about anything um so it's been good it feels like very like homey i guess uh it feels like home um although with like being on a big early like cloud nine i feel like it's we absolutely didn't have to worry about like anything uh also having like our manager tifa on c9 was probably like the best thing we could have had i think having a manager is just like that works with the org like through you is actually like really I, I thought it was good, especially if you have a good connection, good bond with them. I absolutely love Tifa, so she did like everything she could for us. Um, working with C9 was, I guess, like a different uh, environment, just because I feel like the content ideas were a lot more. Uh, there's a lot more demand for content, obviously. There's a lot more demand for like uh, promotion, um, which I like doing. Um, and it was just like being able to represent a like name that you 
kind of grew up watching like you know i grew up watching cs and league and like seeing a c9 and everywhere so it was like nice being able to work with some of these guys some of the league of legends guys and and some of the excuse me some of the people within the org being able to kind of represent what i've grew up watching so it was nice and uh i think like obviously an org like c9 you know picks up a team they got their reasons for picking up their team they try to market the team as best as they can off of those reasons so uh obviously like you know you're there for a reason um with uh smaller orgs like oxg rec uh you're also there for a reason but you're there to kind of like i guess grow grow with them whereas like c9 has already grown and c9 is trying or a big org is trying to like you know focus on growing you and your brand being able to like work with you whereas like the smaller orgs you know there's a lot more room i guess for to mess around and a lot more room for uh for you know you're you're just trying to like make things work you want to be able to find something that people like doing so there's a lot of like things you can try and avenues you can go so um so I've been a part of a lot of like really small orgs. TSM is the only big org that I've ever been a part of. I've been a part of like vertical gaming, accelerate, stuff like that. Um I will say that like when you are a part of a smaller org, um we always talk to the owner of the org. We never had a manager. Um they don't have any like finance teams or or any, you know, it's not like a like a real like bit like it is a business, but it's not like a super big business where they have a bunch of teams and and stuff like that. I will say though that whenever we joined TSM, I did not think that um I didn't think that we would have the same like love and care that we did back when we were on like smaller orgs, you know, cuz like we were like like the, their only team and and we talked right to the owner. Um I didn't think when we joined TSM that we would have that type of like uh that treatment, but when we when we did join TSM, like I was proven wrong. Like our manager is he's on top of everything. Like we need stuff. Like he gets it out there. Like he's he's uh smacks our manager and I mean they they take care of like everything. We don't have to worry when we were on smaller orgs, we had to worry about signing up for tournaments because we had to do it all. We had to worry about signing up for tournaments, like flights and we had to do all that. But when you're under like uh the big orgs, like you don't have to worry about that. I'd say the only downside of the only downside of like a bigger org is like maybe like like I said, there's a lot they have like a lot more teams, so like they're more business oriented. So whenever you you doing stuff like you know what I mean? It's just like a big business basically compared to like a small one. You have to go through like they have to go through several like people to make sure stuff is okay, stuff like that. But I don't know. I love it on TSM. I wouldn't want to be like part of like any other org, but um I don't know. TSM's awesome and I didn't expect it to be like as caring and loving as like it would be on like a lot of smaller orgs, but it is. All right, Mister Mister Jar Jar. Oh, I gotta ask another one. Fuck. Um. You ask the last question, and then and then Fox has to go because we have three. You have three minutes. I got seven minutes. You said to be gone at five twenty-five. Oh yeah, you're right. Oh damn. Um, that's hmm. fine. That's enough time to. We'll just do a quick one of. Uh, I know there's answers to this, but yeah. Uh, were there any sacrifices you made when you first started to put time into the game? Um, or were you able to still keep up with the world around you? I guess I'm assuming you guys made sacrifices. I guess what were they? Um, yeah. I mean, uh, I 
it's funny because uh the sacrifice that i made is like i kind of like gave up on school like a lot i usually tell everyone to ask me if i should go into if i should they said like should i go into esports or streaming i'll always say like make sure you finish your schooling you know try to get a degree uh try to do whatever you can you know at least you have something to fall back on um kind of hypocritical because i'll tell people to do that but like as soon as i started going pro or like playing a full time i kind of like started half-assing school and like didn't necessarily care um but then it was just ne- it was just like i was just putting my time into it and i really believed that i could make something of a of a esports career and that's what i wanted to do and uh i took the risk it paid off um my dad would always tell me like it's a one in a million chance you know might as well just go to school become an accountant or something so i gave up on that um I gave up on a lot of friends, a lot of going out. A lot of people didn't understand, uh, especially scrimming. When I'd say I'd have to scrim at night, they'd think that I'm like lying or like trying to like blow people off so that I don't just like have to hang out with them. Uh, yeah, a lot of sacrifices on friendships. A lot of people stopped becoming friends with me just because like my schedule was so up in there of like pro league matches, scrims. Like we don't necessarily know what what days off. It's inconsistent, um, especially with like the travel too. So. I don't know. Gave up. Uh, I'd say a decent amount of things, but again, like the friends that I lost, I made friends online. Uh, obviously, my career like benefited and is going into like a right direction. So, yeah, I didn't necessarily lose too much. I don't think. And obviously, if people are gonna leave you or stop being friends with you based off of what you're trying to do to better your career, better your life, then like they were never your friends in the first place. So, yeah. Um, I mean, kind of same boat. Uh, I mean, obviously, like I lost a lot of friends playing competitively, um, especially during C- like CL. Like, like I said, I when I played CL, I went to school and I also worked and I played CL and I played a bunch, like a bunch. Um, so like those nights, I was literally only sleeping like four hours a night and stuff like that. But like, obviously, it was just healthy. Um, but like, I stopped hanging out with a lot of my buddies. Like, I had a group of people that I was with, and now I only have like two friends like two well two or three like IRL friends that are still like where I am that I like talk to like regularly I guess you could say um so you definitely give up like a lot of like friends and stuff but uh I mean it's worth it so but obviously like if I have to give like any input to like any challenger league player out there or anything like don't put it all into esports I think you should definitely go to school uh work until maybe you get a pro league then take some time off like just because it's 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 very hard to make it and um i mean if it doesn't happen you don't want to be like 23 24 25 and not have like any school or or any work experience um so definitely like it's definitely good to like do other things rather than play so i mean but yeah this is uh this is something that hits especially close to home for me because i was i was lost for many many years and I didn't really know what I wanted to do after I finished in politics. I I took a couple years to try and realign where I was at. And I mean, I'm much older than most of the people in this scene. I dropped out of my you know university program and, and basically quit my career or what was going to be my career when I was 24. You know, and, and it's kind of a bummer that I mean, this didn't really exist because it's it's like I'm 30 now and, and undergoing this. And it's great to travel and all that jazz. But you've still got the tug for me and the pull for me is well, you're 30, like you're, you're not getting any younger. Whereas, you know, some of you, you know, Fox is 20 years old for crying out loud. Like what? A, and, and the thing that really hit me was when Zig retired in Brazil, he's like, you know, I'm, 
I'm a family man now. Like I've, I've got a wife, you know, he's like, I got to think about that. He goes, if only I were 10 years younger. And that really resonated with me was it's like, fuck, I wish I was 10 years younger right now. You know, I, I, <laughs> this would be the perfect time. And, and those of you that are young that are involved in this industry, you're really lucky. And, you know, hopefully for the older folk, if I am one of those, hopefully we can set a good example. And, you know, yeah. one day, one day when you're old, like us, you'll look back and hopefully, hopefully I feel the help. same as you. I mean, I might only be like 23, but like, I didn't actually make pro league until I was 21. Like I, like until this day, like, well, pretty much like around this time, I've spent the same amount of time in PL now. And I've only been in PL for a year and a half, the same yeah. amount of time that I've spent in like CL. So like, I definitely like wish I had to jump on it earlier when I was a lot younger too, because like, I don't know, but I didn't really start playing this game until I was like 18, 19. So yeah. Like it's crazy. That, I mean, to me, I feel like age is like always a worry for some reason, just because like I, I am only 20, but for some reason, like in our scene, I feel like old as shit. Cause like everyone always talks about like, because I've been doing it for a little bit and it's like, everyone always talks about like, Oh, the young gunners, the young gunners are going to come take our jobs. And like, there's like, I'm 20 and there's these fools who are like 18, 17, 18, like coming in, like storming the scene. Like, I don't know. I don't know how much, how much time I got left. Like it might be over. Ambi might be coming next. So it's just like, I don't know. Dude, Kev, like Kev tweeted that ages ago. Kev's like the moment that Yaga turns 18, I'm retiring. And it's like, I feel like there's, I feel like there's worse now. There's more, there's more gunners waiting. I know. It's just like, I think like your age is just, I don't know. I think you're only as old as you feel. So, I mean, if you're yeah. like staying healthy, staying active and trying to stay young, like what's it called? I got to know how old, like the way guy is on Twitter, the way, way that works at Ubisoft. Cause that guy shredded and like, <laughs> I think uh, he's older than me. I think Way's like, yeah, I think Way's like 32. I think so too. I think he's late thirties. Is he? I think he's like 38 or something. Motherfuck. That guy is a God. So if you're just staying uh, healthy, you know, staying active, I don't know. I think you could, you could be like 30, 40 and still feel like you're 20, you know? He's the perfect I've man. always said that, I've always said that you can play professionally until at least probably 30. Like you've seen people in CS win events at 30, 32. Like a lot of the strongest guys are 26, 27, 28. And dude, they don't look like they're ever slowing down. You know what I mean? Mm. But it's all about the lifestyle you live and like the time that you put in, because at the end of the day, like, like I said, when people start getting older, they start getting wife and kids and their priorities aren't on the game and getting better. Yes. Their priorities are elsewhere. Yeah, so. that's that's the biggest thing that happens, I think, with age is that, yeah, yeah. priority shift. And then because of that performance, drops. like obviously, like, yes, as you get older, your reaction time can de decline. But mm -hmm. I mean, it's that that's only going to do so much. It's it's more about, yeah, the priorities and like where you where you put your time. Yeah, it's about your physical and mental health and how much you want it. Like if yeah. you have that drive, you could go, I don't know. I feel like that drive could like, you could be like as old as you want. If you got that drive to do it, that will, you'll find a way. Yeah. Like so I, I shoot, I shoot like a 50 year old man, but like, you know, I want it. <laughs> I think that's a good way to end it. He calls like he's 15 though, huh? Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, that is, uh, that is time. It is perfectly five thirty, and we don't want to keep, well, two thirty, I guess for Fox, eh? we don't want to keep him. Uh, from his scrims. Gentlemen, I really appreciate both of you taking time out of your busy schedules to join us. I enjoyed the conversation very much. Um, where can we find you 
where can the good people watching for those that are on YouTube, the links will be down below, but for the audio crew that won't have access to links, if they want to follow you, what platforms and where you can go first, Matt, uh, just on Twitter, twitter.com slash TSM underscore achieved is the best. And same with Twitch, twitch.tsm underscore achieved. So, yeah. Yeah. My, uh, you can just find me at, box a underscore r6 uh that's it on like every platform instagram twitter twitch youtube thank you for having me on the show it's your only fans <laughs> can't talk about that on twitch anymore parker yo my bad it'll be linked down below thank you very much everybody for joining us on our 12th episode the feedback has been awesome the viewership has been great and it's been a real pleasure to be able to bring this to you take care of yourselves we'll see you next sunday for our 13th episode. Take care.